The Linux Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com and use our promo code LASTDIGITAL and then you can spin up your own Linux rig for free. Welcome to Linux Action Show episode 404. You actually found us. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey there, Noah. Guess what? Big show. I, huge, huge show today. Huge show today. Uh, we got a lot in store. So first of all, the main topic. Coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, we're going to talk about an open source software package you can get up and running in probably about 10 minutes on your Linux rig. I've never done it before, but our boy Noah there has, and he's going to show me, and thus you, how to set this up and have a tentpole for your community, how to build and nurture that very community. That should be interesting, but if that's not enough for you, in the news segment, we're going to talk about Russia banning Windows on government PCs, on the government's PCs, dirty Windows. Uh, that's my best Russian. I'm sorry. Uh, Noah is super excited about this open source Wi-Fi router board with open source code top to bottom called the GeekForce Gateway Board. And I'm going to tell you why I'm skeptical about it, but he'll tell you why he's excited about it. So there you go, little devil's advocate. Then. Our boy Jonathan has shipped OpenShot 2.0 beta after like three years of development, and guess what? A PPA is out there for you all to get it, not just the backers. We're going to tell you about that, some of the new features, and if we're excited about it. And then last but not least, Canonical's been spreading a little bit of rumors that some Android manufacturers might be switching to Ubuntu, and SourceForge, well, they want to say they're sorry. Real sorry, guys. Please come back. But before all of that, Noah, do you know what we've got? We have the picks. We have the picks. We have the picks, and we have so many surprises in this week's episode of the Linux Action Show that I had to write them all down. Don't, don't, don't look. Don't okay. look. Okay. All right. I'm I had looking. to write them all down. So first of all, I had to also write myself a note. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. You're not going to give me Happy Valentine's Day? Yeah, come on. Uh, no, happy, happy Valentine's Day. I didn't know if you were talking wow. to me. No, or... I'm talking to you. Yeah, I know. Okay. You're my honey. You know that. Come on. We can, we can let it out on air now. It's okay. uh, Everybody it's who's public. seen it as a meetup, you know, we're all over each other constantly. Uh, Hedia and uh, Sarah are constantly giving us glances. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so actually, no, before we get into that, let's do our runs, Linux, and then I'll show you, I'll tell you about the other things we have coming. I just, you know, had to do a happy Valentine's Day right off the top for you, know, because, you know, otherwise I'd forget, and then you'd send me a Telegram after the show all upset. So I, I would be a little upset. And do you have the Valentine's Day sticker pack for Telegram? Uh, no, I, I, I can't say that. I'm, I do. I do. I did get your Valentine's Day Velcro straps, though. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was very sweet of yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, no problem. yeah. I got a real Valentine's Day surprise for you, too, but uh, that'll tell you about that in just a, uh, just a minute. Okay. But first, let's talk about our runs Linux this week. I'm super excited that you found this because you and I both had a little time yep. to play with something just like this. It's the East Carolinan Augmented Reality Sandbox. Uh, there's not a lot of audio here. But the camera just collects the image. But uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, these augmented reality sandboxes. In fact, Noah, if uh, you will permit me to go back in time just a moment, back to, uh, what was it, November 11th, 2015, mm -hmm. I do believe we played with this very type thing right here while we were at System 76. And this is me walking around with the GoPro here, and you'll see I walk up to a sandbox, and above the sandbox, projected down, is a topographic real-time imagery with elevation and, and water, and then when you make, when you alter the sandbox, it redraws using a projector in real time. It's using a Kinect hooked up to a Linux box to scan the sandbox, and, oh, there it goes, and figure out the different terrain. So I'm trying to, trying to help the audio listeners visualize this a little bit, but essentially, picture a Kinect pointed down in the sandbox, and a DLP-type 
projector or whatever pointed down at the sandbox, and the two connected to a Linux rig, making the sandbox uh, sort of evolve and adapt as you uh, alter the terrain in real time, including like where water would collect and you could hold your hand over the sandbox and make it rain. This is a pretty cool demo, right, Noah? It was it was fun to see, and it was it was interesting because when it got submitted as a runs Linux, it it was it was kind of a it was kind of a bittersweet moment because on the on the plus side I was like oh that's who created that that's really cool to see you know where it comes from and and that's really neat to see it. and then and then there was the bitter part where it's like well one we actually saw that first and two I don't know maybe we didn't make a big enough deal about it when we were there but. Like it was really, really cool, and we got to see it powered with System seventy six hardware. In fact, if I remember right, didn't they have like a bonobo up in like the ceiling? Yeah, over by the- yeah, it was up on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it was up in the ceiling, and uh, they had set it up as a demo. And if I recall, it takes quite a bit of GPU, and I think they had a bonobo yeah. with a uh, seven series Nvidia in it. And so it was. Uh, in fact, it was actually there. Uh, the System seventy six demo, as you can see, was smoother than the one here in this video. The bonobo yeah, well, was. The look at you can see the frame really rate in the water is not very good. The guy in the the guy watched the whole video the uh, that that uh, was sent in and, and the guy in there goes he goes it runs on Linux and the guy goes well do you know much about Linux he goes absolutely nothing just enough to get the software to run but the guys that wrote it are very smart people and <laughs> they're able to show me how to get it but like he the, he so so that's how their demo went and then you have people at System seventy six who obviously understand the insides and out, outsides and and it would not surprise me in the least with System seventy six if they had a guy that was like hey we can make this a little bit better let's tweak this code and, and make this Run a little smoother because I'm not happy that this doesn't work right. That's pretty cool. Uh, so last week on the show we talked about team collaboration software, uh, and so this week on the show we're going to talk about something to actually help you do like a widespread, you know, worldwide public approach. Something that could be good for a small team or a big community, or maybe even like a, in your office, and you just have people that want to participate. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And Noah, this seemed like a pretty interesting way to sort of organically grow your community online with some pretty compelling software, discourse. Uh, that you've recently got your hands on. Uh, and so I was just curious, with, with software like this available, you this week seem to decide to do, I don't know, a more laborious approach to community development. Do you have an announcement you yeah. want to share with the uh, Linux yeah. Action Show audience? So um, this week, Chris had some other stuff on his plate, and so he was dealing with that. And so at the very beginning of the week, he's <laughs> like, yeah, I... I uh, I could really use some some extra help, and I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll take care of last. It's not a big deal. I can do the short prep. Not a big deal. And uh, simultaneously, of course, the beginning of February, we've started doing our cloud-based uh, stuff where we're managing services for other companies that aren't actually in the, you know, in the immediate Grand Forks area. And All one right, of those, right. One of those was a church who was switching their phone systems over, and so the port request was scheduled to go through sometime after midnight on Friday morning. And so Thursday evening, I realized that I am going to have a packed Friday because I there's there you know a couple of different things are transitioning on Friday. Plus, I'm trying to get all the the show stuff ready because during the week I'm working, and so Friday's really the first day I have to <clears throat> start working and thinking about last. <clears throat> and about Thursday night at like seven o'clock, my wife starts having uh, like uh, Braxton Hicks contractions, yeah. which is basically like the uterus practicing, and so and she's due. Like a month from now, the beginning of March, and uh, so she lays down because it's too early for the baby to come. So she she lays down, and and so uh, things are <laughs> things are 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 progressing along, and and so we're getting a little concerned. We're like, well, what do we do? So we end up uh, we end up calling our provider, and she, and she comes over. We do uh, a home birth, 
um, and so our provider it comes in and about seven in the morning we realize that this is this is this is it baby's coming uh, and so and so I am I am on my phone frantically texting my uh, you know my employees and I'm like hey you have to call and cancel this meeting hey you have to call and do this hey I need you to be you know available for this but there are certain things that they are so new like for instance managing phone systems that I we I have not trained anyone else to do it I mean they have a they have a rough idea but I all the accounts you know they're not publicly set with a public email and a public password that they can get to it's it's all under my name, my stuff. So, and so I am watching <clears throat> this uh, this migration go through, and so we're 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 getting like progressively more uh, laborious, and 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 our provider gets there, and she's there helping my wife. And in between contractions, I'm sitting there on my phone, and I'm reading emails as people that uh, that I'm helping, and he, and he's going in, and he's saying, yeah, my our phones aren't working, and and this isn't working. Like people are calling the number, and and this isn't going through. And I'm like, okay, grab my laptop. I'm like, oh, I'll fix that. <laughs> I send an email. Okay, all right, and I throw it aside for a second, concentrate on the wife for a little bit, and then go back. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to. Keep, and, and at I this point, to, do you know if she's okay? Like, what do you know about? No, it? because because we were a little worried because of the how close the uh, you know you have to carry a, a a baby a certain amount of weeks so that it's fully developed, and so we were a little bit shy of that, and so. So we were a little concerned about everything working out, you know, if, if the baby's lungs were going to be okay. And so, so no, I'm, I'm extremely worried. And at the same time, I understand that not only it's not just a, it's not just a business reputation thing. Like there are, are literally, there are companies and organizations that cannot function, you know, without us intervening and they have major, 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 uh, you know, core infrastructure things that are being set, you know, put basically solely in our lap and we're the only ones that can fix it. And so, you know, that's on my mind and I'm, I'm trying to balance those two things and, 10:30 comes around. Baby is delivered. Everything's fine. Mom's fine. Baby's wow. fine. Wow. Yeah. And so, so, we, and so uh, we sit there for a little bit and, and make sure everything's okay. And then, um, you know, about noon, everything kind of winds down, and, and you know, everything's we're kind of settling in. And um, for the first 24 hours, you know, you don't leave, uh, uh, you know, mom or baby. And so we're there. Right. Uh, I was for you know 20, for the next 24 hours and the good news about that was i then found myself because baby's obviously up every you know hour two hours or so i found myself awake every two hours and so had tons of time to sit and prep last and and do things on the computer but i i forgot to actually upload it to google docs until like four in the morning <laughs> but, i like um, a micro kernel linux yeah. is born that's nice yeah <laughs> so we have three kids now so we have wow. we have we have noah david and we have um and we have Sophie, uh, Natalia, and now we have Emma Grace. Oh, I love that. Yep. Welcome to the Three Kid Club. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So your back seat in your vehicle will never be usable again for at least That's for like correct. the next five years or six years. So yeah. congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Right after we replaced your car last summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh, so we have uh, a ton to cover today. I got. I got. I got like stuff over here that I want to show you that I you I haven't told you about because you've been so okay. busy. I just I was like easy yeah. enough not to tell you. So, okay. uh, but you have no idea and it's gonna blow your mind when you see it. Okay. But uh, first, excited. we're gonna talk about DigitalOcean. Our friends over at Digital. Ocean sponsor of the Linux Action Show. DigitalOcean is so, so great. I don't even spin up VMs on my machine anymore when I'm testing stuff. I go to DigitalOcean because they have such great rates, and you can support the show by using the promo code LASTDIGITAL and get a $10 credit. DigitalOcean, a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the best way to spin up Linux rigs with a great UI on their crazy fast SSD-only cloud infrastructure with data centers all over the world. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. And their pricing plans start at only $5 a month. That's five American dollars a month, and that's nothing. You get a 20 gigabyte SSD, 
of blazing fast CPU, a terabyte of transfer, which is redonkadonkadonk. And you can choose from New York, San Francisco, multiple in those areas, uh, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, Toronto, data centers. Really, really great uh, UI. That uh, They started uh, from just a, a standpoint of an extremely intuitive interface that allows you to deploy really great rigs with incredible configurations super fast. And now they're evolving that into methodologies to allow you to create multiple droplets at once and, and then you know set the DNS and create some templates, upload SSH keys. It has gotten to the point. And, and, and then uh, one thing I will also mention, because I just saved my butt again, I really love that HTML5 console because it means it worked on my freaking tablet when I had to pull it up the other day. So if they have an HTML5 console that gets you right at the virtual machine, right there. And uh, that is powerful in a lot of ways that I'll leave it to you to figure that out. But that's extremely powerful and very, very useful. Also, one of the other things that's very useful is their Fantastic documentation. Really good stuff. They have a new one up. This might just be a good refresher for anyone in the audience. You don't even have to be a DigitalOcean customer. Package management basics for apt, yum, DNF, and even FreeBSD's package command. And it's really well done. This, they have really, really good tutorials up there. Really well written. Good, good stuff. Also, I'm just going to say it once, stickers.digitalocean.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had something in my throat. Uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. Anyways, go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code LASTDIGITAL. Check out their great interface and see why Noah and I go there to spin up our Linux infrastructure. I'm telling you, from anything that I'm going to run in production and have the audience use to something that my family uses to something where I just want to try out a distro. Like when I decided, okay, well, let's see what the difference between Fedora Cloud is and stuff and Fedora Server. And if I can go from Fedora <laughs> Server to Fedora Cloud and like I just want to play with that, DigitalOcean Droplet. And they have even hourly pricing. If you use the promo code LASTDIGITAL, you can really extend that out if you're just messing around. And because the infrastructure is so powerful and fast, when you're ready to go into production, you don't have to do anything else. We should put like a board up somewhere where we keep track of how many episodes Digital Ocean has made possible. Uh, possible, possible. Yeah. Not only because of their not only because of their actual support, but just because of their, the the existence of their product. Like, so for example, yeah. this, <laughs> not have an episode if it wasn't for Digital Ocean, because the only way I had time to 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 make this happen on a Friday was because I could instantly deploy, screw up the droplet, try it again, screw it up, try it again, screw it up, try it again. Oh, that works. Document all that stuff, throw it in a doc, and then now we have a show. And yeah. Now. See if I can walk you through it in, in, I think we can do it in two minutes. So but. it is extremely useful, and uh, it was very useful for last week's episode, too. Okay, so uh, I got something in the mail uh, okay. last Wednesday that okay. I haven't told you about yet. And I'm not, I'm not going to open it. I'll wait till the feedback, because we, we got too much show to do. So I just want to say right here, I got something in the mail. Uh, you can't read it. It's, uh, I could, uh, let's see, who's it come from here? It's a model U753CGA1. Color is silver. Huh. Color is silver. Okay. From pure something. Anyways, we'll open that. Uh, we'll open that. It says notebook on the box, so I'm assuming yeah, something. Yeah, I, I got that much. Yeah, a silver notebook. Anyways, we'll open that up in the feedback segment and uh, see what is in that box, and then there'll probably be a review in the near future. So let's talk about our desktop app picks. This one was sent in by some jerk Rikai who's flying out of here next week and stranding me with no editor. Uh, it's called CopyQ. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's for you out there who are obsessive about your precious freaking uh, clipboard and don't want to ever you. miss anything you've ever pasted. I, that is the, that is the best presentation of it ever because I think you and I are a hundred percent on the same page, and I think that's a very opposite page from where Rikai is. Well, yeah, well, well, where, 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 the, where the clipboard is sacred ground, and anything that's ever touched your yeah. clipboard, <laughs> ever graced it, must be captured, noted, and logged forever. That's exactly how I feel about yeah, it. I yeah. No, I, here's the thing. 
uh, Chris, here's the thing. Okay, the what's thing, the thing, Noah? The thing is, I rarely, if ever, get to a point where I'm like, oh, God, where is this thing? I, I had it in my clipboard at one time. That's where I want to retrieve it from, not the document that I copied it out of to begin with. Really, that doesn't really happen to me. And and honestly, when I'm pasting stuff, it, copying and paste is kind of like I pick a text up and it's in my head as well as a clipboard, and then I paste yep. it into something. Yeah. And so, and you know, if I need like, to save it, you know what I do is I open Gedit for like thirty <laughs> seconds and I save it there. And then when I'm done, I close the window. And this we're, is also where we can see everything and reorganize. I don't know. Yeah. So, not the app for me. I agree, and I'm clearly not the app for you. But. <laughs> I could definitely, but it's our epic, everybody. (laughs) No one's having a kid. (laughs) People, people tell us all the time that we need to be less biased and we need to. No, I agree. And I know actually this is a legit thing. We don't personally use and think is ridiculous. And so this using CopyCube. So I'm going to tell you about CopyCube because actually I do know that this is a thing people like, and maybe one day I could be converted. So CopyCube monitors your system clipboard and saves its contents in customized tabs, you guys. Okay. And then you can, (laughs) I'm just so sorry. Uh, It could be edited with an internal editor or your own text editor. Uh, you could move it to other tabs. You can drag and drop uh, to an app. Okay, that's cool. You can mark a, a tag or a note. You can uh, you know save it for later. You can simplify with commands. It's called Copy Q, a clipboard manager with advanced features. And it's it's legit. If you are into this kind of thing, this is the one to go. It's got support for your Linux, uh, your, your, your GNU slash Linuxes. Uh, for Windows... Probably and uh, OS 10, 10.9 and above. Now, here's why I mention this. That's actually, if I was ever going to adopt a tool like this, minimum requirement when I'm on those other godforsaken platforms, I got to be able to use some of my decent tools. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I do. Here's here's I, I, here's what here's what came to my mind when I first saw it, and I, I'm going to try and present this in a, in a positive light as I can. I think this would be a great tool to install on that person's computer that you want to like basically keylog, except you don't want to tell them that you're installing a keylog. <laughs> And so that way, when they copy their passwords and, and all that stuff, then then it will all go into there. And so then you can go back through and, and find all of that yeah, stuff. Now I know how your mind works. Not delete- well, I'm just saying, like, that's the first thing that dawns on my head is, like, there's a lot of things that that, that traverse my clipboard I really don't want a record of. <laughs> I go through, I use a lot of other software to make sure that there's not a record of that stuff. So why would I, but, but, but that, that, that could be one possible use too. Yeah. So it's called CopyQ and uh, it's pretty solid, you know, it's pretty solid. So I, and they are, they are doing, um, you know, they're, they're actually looking for translators. So that's a good way to get involved in an open source project. Check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes because the URL is kind of wonky. Okay, so this next uh, spotlight we're going to talk about, it's an open source project that uh, we are now starting the Death Watch on here on the Linux Action Show. Start your timers, everybody. We'll see if this is even uh, still up uh, by uh, next week. I'm surprised it's even online as we do this show because I've been watching it all week. And now the Linux Action Show does not condone your piracy or your stealing. Uh, we right. don't want you to do that, uh, but uh, we, I actually am pretty comfortable. Like, if you own a Blu-ray or a DVD or a, or even maybe a VHS, and then you want to stream an alternative format because they didn't make that available to you, okay, now we can mm-hmm. have a conversation. This is where I present Streamio, Strem.io, <laughs> Streamio. This is your Plex meets your popcorn time. Now, for those of you that don't remember popcorn time, it was a way for you to stream torrents in real time right in a desktop application. As it turns out, your buddy Chris already has it installed and running here on his Bonobo. It just happens to be. And uh, I'll give you a little demonstration of it. And if you want uh, further thoughts, uh, stay tuned. But anyway, Streamio uh, allows you to break out things. And here's one of the things I like about it. It's not going to save their butt, but I think this is actually pretty cool. So I bring up this application. It is not a native Windows, Linux, or Mac OS Tosh application. It actually kind of looks, if anything, like a GTK3 application because they're kind of using 
uh, a, a client side decoration type header bar. Anyways, you, you you have your different categories here. You have series, TV channels, movies. It would look like a like any media center application. You're kind of familiar with this design for the desktop. So maybe you know not quite like uh, Cody, not quite like Plex, but, but you know earlier iterations of them. You choose a movie, say Spectre, 007 Spectre, and you get your typical full splash screen of the movie. And here you can watch a trailer, you can add it to your library, you see the director, the summary, similar movies. Now, one of the things that's really nice from a UI perspective is when I click play here, they give you right up here in front, I think this is this is a solid effort on their part, right up front, you know what I'm saying? It's, I know, uh, because that's I first thought I was like, oh, a streaming service that I can go and pay and link with my streaming accounts, that's awesome. What's this button? Oh, that looks much more Yeah, appealing. in full disclosure, I have not tried any of these so i don't know if if I this did. did you try I tried, YouTube, I tried the youtube one and it worked and so you could then and then it would play in the window mm -hmm. i wonder if you could yep. do amazon voodoo or itunes in this application and then stream under linux i'll have to play more with that so along the top it has your commercial streaming services that are available in your location uh and then you can choose to legitimately purchase this movie from a legal place and have drm and all that good stuff then below it is the torrent streams that are uh, out there and uh, you have HD and, and SD in this case and when you click the torrent stream it, it uses the logo of the movie as a as a loader which is just so elegantly done it's ridiculous I mean this is some polish they're doing here and then in, in, in moments having not downloaded any files it will begin torrenting this movie now because I'm on Comcast if I were actually to watch this movie I would get a letter from them saying that I have violated the DMCA and that we have to knock it off so I won't actually play the movie on the show here uh, but uh, that is essentially it any movie any TV show with varying results depending on how torrents work in your your region Streamio mm -hmm. I don't know how long it's gonna be around I think it is up on GitHub though right so the codes out there I think it's like an Apache or well, MIT well, license the or... thing is as a person who has Amazon Prime yeah uh, an Amazon Prime uh, subscription but I am so sick of like Amazon Prime has this weird bug where you can only I and I forget which one it is you can only watch it in Firefox or Chrome I think it's I think it's actually Firefox because Netflix is Chrome and but you have to have like a specific version and you have to install this uh, this uh, this package that mm, lets that's it, otherwise otherwise it, it doesn't tell you that it needs the package it's like but you have to install I think it's BLN or something like that otherwise it just continues to load it never actually plays the movie. And I, I, I just I get sick of screwing with that. And I have a Prime yeah. membership for I don't care yep. about the streaming. It's annoying, I just care about the streaming, yep. but it's there anyway. So if there was a piece of software that elegantly connected into Amazon Prime, yeah. idiot, I didn't try that Prime, but I would actually that would actually be kind of cool. So even if the porn thing didn't exist, here's the licensing thing. It's a little tricky. Uh, the stuff around it is open source. I don't think the core application actually is. So that's one disclaimer. Second disclaimer is if I recall, I don't think they have a 32-bit build available for Linux. So that's mm. something else to consider. It's again, uh, it's primarily going to be used for piracy. My recommendation is don't pirate, just don't support that kind of media until right. it's available in a format you want. But mm -hmm. uh, it also is potentially a way for you to stream legitimate streaming services in a dedicated desktop application under Linux. Mm -hmm. So if you want to try, like Noah did, buying it from Google Play YouTube. Mm -hmm. You could watch it without having to have a separate browser or something like that right there in that one application. And it shows you all the different available content. And then it, you know, instead of having to jump around from different streaming services, you just go to one application. 
Well, if you don't want to play, if you don't want to pay for it, there's always, you know, they have like, they connected with Hulu too. And so you'll get, you, it'll be ads, there'll be ads in between, but you'll be able to watch content. And so, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's not a bad compromise either. And again, it's not in a browser because there are certain problems with the browser. So for example, if I full screen something on a multi-monitor setup inside of, uh, you know, YouTube or Hulu yeah, or whatever, yeah. and I click into another window, it unfull screens from that window. And that, that's something that doesn't happen with native applications. So there are some advantages right. to being able to watch that stuff yeah. inside of an application. I think specifically too, with, uh, by the way, and this is probably whatever they're using to draw the window. I think it actually, when you have a dual monitor system, sometimes opens right in the middle of the screens, which is kind of annoying. Oh, really? What are you going to do, Noah? What are you going to do? If you want to hear more of my thoughts on it, go listen to this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. Actually, last week's, I guess. Episode 131. Uh, towards the end of the episode, we actually did a little review, uh, Wes and I did, in Linux Unplugged of Streamio. So uh, there you go. We've now we've now started the official Linux action show, Death Watch. Speaking of desktop app picks, uh, it's getting kind of pathetic over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash lastpicks. That is uh, forkable and updatable by our community, and it hasn't been updated since the end of 2015. Well, October, Uh-oh. it looks like. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's getting pathetic. Oh, that's going to be a, that's gonna start to be a problem because that's what we used to. Uh, you know, it's a bummer, too, is we crossed the 400 mark and nobody cares. Like, as a nice 400 gift, it would have been, it'd be nice for somebody to go there and clean it up. You can find out more at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash lastpicks if you'd like to help us get that page up to date. Because it's just something not Noah nor I really have time to do, but it's something we think is kind of a decent resource. Because A, it's a great list if you're setting up a rig, and B, it helps us make sure we don't do dupes <laughs> on the you know show. You know be really cool? It's always been kind of a wish list of mine, and I don't know how. I, I, I have been on the other end of, hey, I got a real simple job for you, and then what follows is anything but simple. So I'm not going to do that to any developers out there. But uh, what would be really cool if it is possible, be awesome to have tags because oftentimes I, I have picked app picks on last. I have picked them. I've gone out and found them and said, oh, that's really cool and reviewed them. And then later in life have gone to use them and I can't remember the name of them and I can't find them. And that's pretty pathetic. Be, and I know what I'm looking for, but there's no way, unless you remember the name, it's kind of hard to find like app that allows you to do X, Y, Z. It, it's kind of hard to find that. And so if there was like tags that you know that followed at the bottom that would be you know for each app pick that would be really hmm. cool. look at yeah. you coming up solving problems i don't like i said i have no you idea know, how hard no that is you to... know what i like about you you're an idea guy you're like yeah you're an idea i'm guy. a thinker let's go get your thinks on this week's episode of the news that's all of the picks for this week let's do the news Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. No, everybody knows that. Go over to last.ting.com and save yourself a little bit of cash and also support the Linux Action Show. Last.ting.com is where you go to get $25 off a device or $25 in your service credits, in your face service credits. You know, the average Ting line when you like are just using it, you know, like a boss, calling people, sending text messages, doing your smartphone downloads. $23. $23 is the average price. Now, because uh, Rekai and I are the primary users, uh, we have a few lines, but Rekai and I are probably the heaviest data users on uh, the Jupiter Broadcasting Ting account. Um, and he and I pretty much, well, are always on Wi-Fi if we can be. So the Ting bill for us, for three lines, usually around 30 35 bucks. When he abandons me and leaves me stranded with no editor, it might go up a little bit for one month, but no bigs, because when he comes back and saves me, he'll be back on Wi-Fi, and my blood pressure will be dropping. He might have Wi-Fi at home, you know. Maybe. I, I don't know for sure, but... I don't, I don't know where. You know, I don't know what's in Maine. I've never been there. I, I've never... I don't know. What's in Maine? Who would want to go there? So listen, I want you to go to last.ting.com and save yourself a little money. Check out Ting. They have fanatical customer service. They have a savings calculator. I love their customer service. And they have great devices from the best internet phones 
the best Android phones, like and you know, like the good ones too, like the Nexus editions, the uh, Moto editions that are actually decent. They have all of those, or you can bring your own, which is great. And they also have really good feature phones. Or you can be you can be um, uh, like a maniac like Noah and get like the most outrageously cool phones. You know, no joke. All week long in the chat room, people are coming in and talking about that phone you got with the flashlight built yeah, into the top of it. The X X Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Also, a fantastic dashboard as well. It really help you manage everything. And I invite you to go over and check out their blog. They have a really solid review of Jesse Sims' month with the Nexus Five X. He talks about the build quality, the fingerprint reader, the software on. It, the updates. Uh, he talks specifically about some of those and the camera and storage. And it's a great Ting device. You have the uh, Nexus 5 original, Noah. You might, I do. You might want to, when you consider upgrading, the Nexus 5X would be a solid upgrade for I you. I may have already upgraded. No, I, what'd you get? That, that, yeah, that looks I, like an HTC to me. No, no, no. S6. Oh, you got it. An it, S6. Has a, it has a Pelican. Yeah, case. I see it now. I'm seeing it. Back, I just kept dropping so you got it. the Galaxy S6. Look at you. How do you like yeah. it? I, I, I do. I love it. I, I The thing is, like, I know this is not a popular opinion, but I really, really, really like the tweaks that Samsung has made to the to the UI. And I like TouchWiz. And I think that it I, maybe just because I started on a lot of Samsung devices, I had the original Galaxy Nexus, and then I went to the S3, and then I went to the S4, and then the S4 mini. Um, and then I did the little brief stint with the Nexus 5. And now I'm back on the, you know, uh, Samsung. And it was, they've always worked really well for me. And one of the things I particularly liked was on Ting, I don't know. I can't explain this. I have no reasonable explanation for this, but hotspot tethering on the S6 works on their GSM side, yeah. even though I can't get it to work on the, the Nexus 5. Or oh, yeah, I've, used, I've, used it, I've used it a lot on the S6. So I know, for a, fa- yeah, I know for a fact it works on Ting. Huh. Okay. Not well, the yeah, Nexus. Yeah. I mean on the Samsung S6. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, so I'm, so, and for whatever reason, I, I just, I put the, and the other thing is too, is I don't, for whatever reason, and again, no explanation for this, I didn't have to configure the access point names on the, on the X, hmm. on the S6. I just put my GSM card in. Have you, by the way, it? you know, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've, oh, you have the non edge one, right? You have the, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was gonna ask you if you try it. Well, anyways, the edge one is the one that I have. Is the one with the fancy edge, and it, it's kind of gimmicky, but there's a couple of nice things for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, cool, man. I'm glad you got the upgrade. That's very nice. That's a good yeah, phone. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been neat. And to, I think uh, isn't Marshmallow just coming out for you too for it? Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, I have the I have the uh, I, I downloaded a bunch of uh, videos because now I have the actual space to store a lot of videos and uh, I I put VLC for Android on there and I'm able to open my DVD collection now yeah. on my phone, which is VLC fun. for Android is great. Um, so check them out. Last.ting.com. Go there, support the show and get yourself a discount. We love them. Last.ting.com. Six dollars a month for a line and then just what you pay on top of that. No contract, no early termination fee. GSM and CDMA networks for you to choose from. It's a great deal. Last.ting.com. So I got to tell you something, Noah. I, you know, I don't know if before last week I was a true believer in karma. Okay. I, t- I tell you, after last week's episode, though, you know, I know I've given you a hard time about the Panda Express thing a few times. Uh, I legitimately... Oh, dude, I heard about this. I, I heard about, I've been hearing about it all week. People are sending me tweets. People are sending me telegrams. People are getting a hold of me in the IRC. Guy yeah, sent me an yeah. email to tell me. He's like, Chris got you. You got yeah. Chris good this yeah, week. Yeah. I got, I, by the way, before baby, I, I won't ruin it because I'm actually going to do this. I have I have payback coming. You have payback coming. I got, uh, I got devastatingly sick. I mean, I, I got like, wipe you out. I, I, I somehow... And I don't feel bad for you at all. I somehow, Monday, 
I mean, because I hadn't, here was the worst part going into it, Stu. I hadn't slept for the first, I hadn't slept for a couple nights very well, like almost uh-huh. at all beforehand. Uh-huh. So going into it was a third, it was like my third night of no sleep. And I was like, and before I got sick, I'm like, I'm eating big today. Uh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going totally unhealthy. I'm going to fill my gut up and I'm going to crash. I'm going to carb out mm-hmm. and crash. Mm-hmm. Oh man, did I get, I got so devastatingly sick. I mean, it was bad, Noah. I don't want to go into gro- gory details, but it was Bad. You so deserved it too. Uh, yeah, I did. That's the second time you've done that to me on air. You know, actually third, third because you did it with chicken pot pie, yeah. then you did regular KFC, yeah. and now you've done. And did you do it maybe even four no, times? No, definitely, I, definitely. No, that's like me. Sure, no, 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 no. So, yeah. anyways, so uh, I somehow I got in here. I did. I did Coda Radio. I don't really know how. I passed out immediately after Coda Radio for a few hours. Woke up, did like a couple of Telegram responses. Passed out for a couple more hours. Drug my butt home. I was, I was a mess. So. That's what I get for totally trolling you last week in the show. Yikes. All right. So besides that disgusting news, uh, I, you know, <laughs> this, this next story is it's a classic. We've heard different iterations of it before, but Russia is planning to ban Windows from government PCs. Putin's new number one advisor for Internet and technology, which was, he was appointed just six weeks ago, has started a new campaign, which is looking to increase taxes that American tech companies like Google, Microsoft, and Apple would pay. Companies would have to pay up to 18% more in taxes if the, uh, if the proposal is accepted by the Russian government. Reportedly, the purpose of the campaign is to support local companies like Yandex and Mail.ru. But uh, another radical change that he wants to make is to achieve replacing Windows on all government PCs with a Linux-based operating system developed by Russia. He also stated that there's already 22,000 municipal authorities ready to replace Windows with their own operating system. Here's his quote on one of the reasons why they're doing it. I don't, can you do a Russian accent? Yeah, I have good Russian accent actually. That's that's a mix with it. Yeah, that's I, Indian. I, I, have to, I have to. I have to start. I have to start with my my fa- okay. one of my favorite comedians is okay. the guy who's like he he's like he's like Russians are like the scariest white people because you know the, you know the, you you walk in you're like I live in a bad neighborhood and the Russian guy is gonna be like you think this bad neighborhood? Yeah, All right, man. so there is a line there. It is like a wife seeing her it, husband. It it is like a wife seeing. Uh, What's the line? It is seeing, like seeing it is like her wife seeing her husband with another woman. Is it it is like a wife seeing husband with other woman. He can swear on oath afterward. But the <laughs> trust is lost. It, yeah. <laughs> That's so. So he say it's like it's like he says the reason why they're making the switch is like a wife seeing her husband with another woman. He can swear on an oath afterward, but the trust is lost, and thus the trust is lost with Windows, and they must move on. That's that's pretty good. I guess there's you know we've talked about several Linux distributions that Russia's already working on, uh, but uh, that's the final straw for Putin's government. They're getting it the heck out of here, Noah. All right, Are you ready to talk about this board that you're apparently uber excited about? It's called the Geek Force Gateway Board. It's on Indiegogo right now. They want to raise a hundred thousand dollars. They're currently at zero percent of that, with three hundred and fifty-four dollars <laughs> raised. They say it's an internet service router, enterprise wireless router, a smart router, a home security gateway, home automation center, a NAS device, and a switch control processor. Three mini PCIe slots, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, LTE, anything you want. A quad-core 1.3 gigahertz with the ability to do NAT quality of service, packet sampling, hardware accelerated. And they're going to be using Asia RF Linux, an open WRT system with a universal RF repeater 
and IR for the last Internet of Things mile inside your house. So it's going to be supposedly a great device for Internet of Things. Noah, what are your thoughts on something like this? Well, my first things are I think I can sell this better than they can because they are taking the shotgun approach, and I think that's the wrong approach, especially when there is so much competition in every one of these markets that they're trying to go after. Um, <clears throat> it's not going to work if it's going to be a media center and a router and this <laughs> and that. It makes your popcorn and does your to That's not going to work. But there are some key elements that I think are going to make this really cool. We don't right now, to the best of my knowledge, have a, op a, a, a reasonably cost open source hardware router software right. company. And their base <clears throat> price here for just a Geekforce board, uh, at least in funding, is $98. Now, now, that might sound maybe high to some of you, but if you think about this is actually a pretty advanced board with some serious, uh, the ability to run OpenWRT, Android, Ubuntu, Snappy, with some really nice Wi-Fi gear and Switch stuff in there, like we're talking six Ethernet ports, 98 bucks isn't so bad. Uh, then you go up to 112 and you start getting the Wi-Fi board, 128 you know, so they're, they're not everything's in the cheap board. But the pricing still, I think, is pretty reasonable when you're looking at enterprise-grade hardware for this type of hardware. Just the, most, the, the closest thing that I found that I can compare this to, it, in fact, really the only other open, truly open source hardware software stack that I'm, I'm aware of that works in the networking world is the Facebook open uh, rack router. And that's $4,000. Um, so for a couple hundred bucks, even if it was a little more than that, I think it's still, you know, a, you know, a, a 180 bucks, you get the LTE board. Right. And so here, and, and that's, that's where I think I, that's what I mean where I say, I think it can sell this better than they can. If they could make a, a, a board with open source hardware, open source software that does routing, if all it did was do routing and have the uh, an LTE capability, you and I would both, at, le at least you and I would be buying one for our campers because that's yeah, a great well, sure. thing. I would love to have one. Honestly, I would love to have one at JB when Comcast goes out, which happens. Exactly. It'd be nice well, to kick well, that you up. Know, you would even, and, and that's just great because with something like this, because you have, uh, you know, because you have six uh, uh, jacks or, or RJ45 um uh, Ethernet jacks. What you can do is you can set one of them as the WAN port for your cable modem, and then you can have your LTE right. chip built yeah. into the device, and it just it would automatically see. Now, if you want this thing to be your AC, you know, 802.11 AC Wi-Fi router and mm -hmm. LTE, you're up to 192 US greenback dollars. But that gets you a board. Uh, that gets you the Geekforce board, an 11, uh, you know, 802.11 AC mini PCIe card with 4G LTE meaning PCI card, industry grade, they say. I don't know what that means, but they say industry grade, uh, with worldwide telecom licenses, which is actually very handy, too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, I'm in. You want, they won't take it away from you and get to the airport. I'm not sure. I'm, I see. Here's, here's where yeah, I'm, here's, I'm in conceptually. I'm not mm -hmm. in... <clears throat> I, I, I feel like I got really burned last time I went in big on a funding project like this. Yeah, so every time I've ever funded something, I get burned. But the idea if of, they were selling it today and I could just own it. Yes. And there was a I software agree. stack ready for it. The, the the concerns I have with it is honestly is how they're pitching it in that they, you know, they talk about like, oh, it'll make, a, you know, a, a media player and stuff like that. I mean, you have to focus in on, on something that does well. Yeah, now, it has HDMI, which seems right handy for setting totally it up. To be, actually, you know what? To be honest, working on the machine when I'm working on it, it'd be it'd be really nice to be able to hook it up to monitors, work on it, not even to but be you're used. You're not going to do that. You're going to be you. You know, if if it's going to succeed, the way it has to succeed is with a web UI, video or, RCA, a spitif yeah, out and yeah. in. Thank okay. You. Yes. They're they're trying to attack a little bit too much, but I yeah, think they're yeah. I, I don't think there's I think there's a ton of competition in the media streaming world. I think there's like a bazillion and one choices for the build your own uh, media streaming device thing. I mean, everyone is doing that. Has the Raspberry Pi GPOs? That's kind of cool. 
Yeah, but where there is a, where I think where there is a missing place in the market is for uh, network equipment, open source and open hardware yes. networking. There's not a ton of stuff of that, not a lot of that out there. I know because I've been looking. Um, and so if this makes it, and like I said, with that LTE chip, man, that. It really pushes me towards the right direction. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I know other people that work in this, you know, in the same industry. And I actually, while I was doing the show prep, I told one of uh, one one of such guys, I said, hey, I got something that both you and I are going to want to buy. And I'm, do you want me to tell you now or do you want, because he watches the show, and I said, or do you want to find out and last? He goes, I'll find out and last. I'm like, well, because... It's one of those things that, like you said, if it was available on Amazon, I would have already ordered it. So So JB Live 2870 or something like that in the chat room Mm -hmm. uh, uh, links along the witty board. Uh, and it's not available for purchase on the site he links us to right now, but uh, check this thing out, Noah. It looks mm-hmm. like a pretty honking board. You can see it's got wireless antenna mounts uh, there on the mm-hmm. uh, on the hardware there. It's got enough. It's got enough processing uh, capabilities that it's got coolers on the uh, on some of the chips there. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to get the exact method because it looks like some serious Ethernet it, ports too. So this is for sale because it's, it's just out of stock. That's all. Yeah, 256 megabytes of RAM. It runs wow. OpenWRT if you want. It does dual band uh, Wi-Fi. It does five gigahertz. And 2.4, uh, two WAN ports, four LAN, or you could do one LAN and five yeah. LAN, depending on the configuration. So yeah, it's got it's got six Ethernet ports, one micro SD slot, uh, two SATA, uh, two SATA ports. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is really cool. Yeah. So it's the Witty board. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, and maybe somebody can find it somewhere else online. But that's pretty neat. So here's where I go with that any go go. I love everything until I get to like the media center stuff, and then I'm gonna like yeah. make two boards. You know, it, or don't make the media center board because let's face it, there's too much competition in that world already. Yeah, that's true. I just I don't think you're gonna have I, I don't think you're gonna be able to offer anything that the Nook or the Raspberry Pi or everything in between doesn't have. So speaking of a world that has too much competition, how about a world that doesn't have nearly enough competition at all? That's video editors under Linux. And OpenShot 2.0 has a new beta out, and it's available for public testing. Now, we've talked about OpenShot for three years now on the show. Version 2.0, I think 2.0.6 is out, available with public testing. We've got a PPA link in the show notes. Smoother animations, audio improvements, autosave engine automatically saves your project. Gosh, which I didn't think I'd like that feature in some editors, but man, has that saved my R so many times. Of course, they crash a lot, so that's why it saves my R's. Uh, automatic project <laughs> backup and recovery, new audio preview settings, prompt when the application needs to restart for an option to take effect. Brilliant! Oh, man! Why don't other editors do that? And many, many other bug fixes. Also, of course, just overall from the new 2.0 series, its timelines has been completely redone. Keyframe editing, tagging, real-time video preview support, video snapping, custom SVG titles, video expert wizard has been completely redone. All of that. OMG Ubuntu has the OpenShot 2.0 PPAs available. It's probably available for other distros as well. I know you're super busy, Noah. Have you been tempted to try this? I have. I played with it just a little bit. Um, and here's the here's what here's what I took away from OpenShot. OpenShot is a video editor that has in the past really hasn't worked for me. Um, it it just it just doesn't seem robust enough. And and a lot of them just feel like like you're like if you remember iMovie back in 2005 ish somewhere hmm. around there it is where you where you basically you're dragging clips in and then cutting them and putting them together and if that's what you're doing in a video editor great i'm sure well, there's you know that's probably a lot of people that are like just working on fo- footage they shot of a birthday party on their phone right 
And that's great. That's I, that, and that's awesome. And if, that's, yeah. if that works for you, that's awesome. I actually I, would argue iMovie was a huge deal for the Mac platform. We talked about, I mean, we so many times on the show mm -hmm. uh, back then said, we really need an iMovie for Linux. We need a GarageBand for Linux. I actually yeah. still think that's kind of true because yeah. if you can tell people you get this free open source operating system mm -hmm. and you can get up and get a decent video put together for your family uh, in, a, in an hour you know, or whatever, it would take you to actually Absol install it and do it. There's uh, absolutely a market for that. Yeah. yeah. Hundred percent, but it. But for me personally, is I, I I constantly find myself running up against roadblocks. I'm like, well, how do I do this? Oh, it doesn't look like I can. How do I do this? Oh, it doesn't look like I can. Right. And that gets frustrating. The problem I have though is I have, even though I even though I, I use Lightworks a lot, and if anyone ever asks me, they're like, well, what's the what in, my, in your opinion? What's the best video editor for for Linux? Lightworks is usually the thing that leaves leaves my mouth. Even though that's what I, I believe that. I don't really like that answer, and I don't really like Lightworks. There are so, I don't like the licensing. I am petrified that I'm going to get bit. In fact, really, yeah, I think yeah. it's a better time before I get bit. But uh, but for, for now, that that seems to be the product that's working on Linux. Uh, OpenShot is the program I want to succeed, and with this newest release, this is the first time that I've actually looked at it, and I can finally visualize the finish line. I'm like, yeah. okay. Now I can see where they're going, yep. and I can actually I could do like when we do show segments. I could I, now I think I could get them done in OpenShot. That's so that, cool. The kind of editing that we're doing, I think I could do it in OpenShot, and I probably will. I've tried Pitavi, I've tried Caden Live, I've tried. I mean, you name it, we've tried it, and 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 for whatever for one reason or another, I'm like, yeah, it just I just I'm not. It's just not going to work for me. And this one. I could use. I could use OpenShot for for some of those basic things, and I'm hoping that once I get my foot in the ground and, and kind of get my heels dug in, I hope that just every day it's it becomes like OBS, where <clears throat> the bare necessities are there to begin with, and it's usable, and then it just gets better. Yeah, exactly. And better. Man, you combine this with something like OBS. You know, you do your real time camera yeah. switching and compositing in OBS, and record that to a file, and then put it in in OpenShot mm -hmm. 2.0 for finishing, and mm -hmm. you essentially got yourself a pretty good workflow. All right. It was just there a second ago. Oh yeah, it's back. Do you hear that, Noah? That is, that is the rumors that are sizzling in the background for Mobile World Congress, which is just around the corner. And Canonical, now that they're in the mobile space, they got to get in on the game, and the register is happy to oblige. Canonical reckons Android phone makers will switch to Ubuntu. Uh, this coming from a chief executive, you might know her, Jane Sibler. She told the register, "We're talking to different Android OEM partners regularly, and many of them will be shipping Ubuntu phones." Ooh, there's a lot of interest from these folks in supporting another platform. Yeah, it sounds like Canonical is courting Google's Android partners in the hopes that they'll break ranks with the chocolate factory and deliver the devices powered by Ubuntu. The company announced, of course, we know about the BQM10 tablet last week. We've also seen the uh, BQ phones that have been shipping. Canonical also partnered with Meizu to produce the MX4, which is a really nice phone. I got to play with that at scale. So Canonical has, of course, a little skin in the game right now, but according to uh, Siebler, Ubuntu uh, believes they can repeat the same success on mobile that they managed to establish on PCs, albeit 30 million rather than 200 million. She believes Google's partners are wary of the giant's control of the Android operating system and efforts to push its own devices to compete with them. She thinks with the Nexus devices and things like that, the partners might be getting a little uncomfortable. She wouldn't say which partners. Currently, though, they think that they imply it might be Samsung. I'm not so sure. I agree. Currently making and selling Android phones and tablets with Android may soon be looking to talk to Canonical and ship Ubuntu. They say embrace Ubuntu. She says in her defense, five years ago, people said, why did you need another Linux distro? And now we have Ubuntu. 
So what do you think, Noah? Do you think uh, carriers got it good from Google and they're never going to go away? Or do you think maybe they think it's too risky and they are I looking for an alternative? I think that ultimately carriers are interested in one thing, and that is to make money. And they don't care. <clears throat> I don't think Verizon really cares one way or another what phone they sell. If tomorrow Ubuntu, Canonical came out with the Ubuntu phone mm. and, and everyone wanted say. the Ubuntu Here's what I'd huh? say. You got okay. to be competitive. So they care as much as uh, whatever the phone can do functionality-wise that makes them competitive. You can't be less competitive. Only because, only because that's what customers want, and that makes them money. Yeah. The number two thing I would say is if carriers had an option, I think they would prefer a, a uh, an OEM of the software they can push around a little bit. You know, they can be tough guy in the room and say, you will do this or we will not sign only, the contract. Only so they can push services that make the money. Right. Uh, and see, that's where Canonical has a significant advantage in their mind over Google. Because mm -hmm. you can't, I mean, Google loves to roll over and screw the consumer anyways. Just look at Android updates, which still plague us in 2016 where we don't have proper updates. He just got Marshmallow for his phone. Marshmallow came out in November. Let's, I mean, yeah. that does, anyways, I don't need to go down that path. But my point is, if they had a care, if the carriers had a mm. software vendor they could push mm. around a little bit, then they could make sure some things got done in the way they like them to get done. So in that regard, I think uh, Canonical is more attractive. Also, the carriers know, because they're looking at where the financials come from, the carriers know where Google's bread is buttered. It's not mm -hmm. buttered with Android. In fact, the, the numbers that just came out of the lawsuit that we covered not too long ago is Google's mm -hmm. made, and this is a high number, $33 billion total on Android ever. Mm -hmm. Okay? Apple made like $36 billion last quarter on the iPhones. So mm -hmm. in since they've ever launched an Android phone, they've made $33 billion ever. Mm -hmm. Apple makes $36 billion in one quarter. So Samsung also makes fantastic money. Google is not in Android to make money. Google right. makes money from selling ads. And right. Verizon and AT&T and Sprint yep. and everybody else are mm -hmm. very, very cognizant of that fact. How could they not be? They are in the business. They're in the market. They know where Google's nose is. And so that's right. why another a partner like Canonical, whose actual focus is in developing a platform that they can build on top of, actually integrates in like a lens system that might make it a somewhat palatable experience for consumers. Mm -hmm. It is an attractive offer. The problem is there's no real brand trust there, right? You got to have these days, the, the smartphone market isn't the phone market of the past. You got to have brand loyalty. You got to have brand trust. That's mm -hmm. why it's got to be a big name that pushes it. Samsung, you know, they've worked on Tizen for a long time. They've always liked to have a plan B. So that's why mm -hmm. the register speculates that it might be uh, Samsung that's interested. Yeah. I'm... And so I, I didn't want to quite drive I didn't want to drive by that quite quite as fast as you did you know she she points out yeah that exactly that you know that they they went with Tyson originally you know it started out as as Limo and they were originally looking for competition and basically you know my my thought track I think we're arriving at the same conclusion but we're getting there slightly different ways <clears throat> I think that the I don't think it's necessarily the carrier that that matters because the carrier ultimately just wants to make money and sell phones so whatever people want is what the carrier is going to have so really what I think it comes down to is the relationship of the the manufacturer and how they pitch the product to the people. Yeah. So, hold on, let me finish. So when they, so if you think back to when the, I think it was the S3 came out, right? They had all the people in line and, uh, you know, waiting for their S3 and they're talking about all the things they could do and the, the girl, you know, bumps the phone next to the her friend's phone and, and transmits a picture and then, you know, she goes, uh, what are you waiting for? And she goes, oh, I was waiting in line for my iPhone. She goes, oh, yeah, I got that for my grandma last week or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, 
it's this clever play that you know iPhones are for older people and this is what the new generation is the hip thing and and the S3 you know was it was marketed that way and, and they they had all these cool features that that people wanted and it and it took off and that's I think that's what really started to pro- pro- propel Samsung forward and I think what's going to happen mm. is I think what's going to happen is I, I got well hold on many- so well here's the problem though Noah well okay okay all right okay it's just we gotta we gotta come back to your fundamental premise that carriers are going to do what consumers want because it makes them money and yep. then we have to come back to how why Samsung actually took off. Okay, but continue on. Well, so uh, I guess what I'm getting at is Samsung is going to want to have the, the way that Samsung gets customers to buy their phones is to convince them that their phones are better than other people's yeah. phones. Mm-hmm. Thus Samsung makes mm-hmm. money, and then that will translate into the carrier wants to carry Samsung phones. The problem is Samsung's hands are somewhat tied. You had a problem with your with your fingerprint reader on your S6, and that's not really Samsung's fault. It's just that Samsung isn't in control and has real no ability. Right. To modify there the was no stack. OS API at the time. It was just right. like an executable that ran in the background. Right. And and now, yes, now we have a fingerprint reader. But here's the thing. Samsung wanted to have a fingerprint reader on their phone, which means you can bet they would have been willing to pay some money to get a software written. In fact, they did. They just had to stack it on top of Android. So what happens if we had a real open source operating system where Samsung could say, I want the Samsung variant of uh, you know, of, uh, of of canonical Ubuntu that uh, we're going to write the code and it'll be native code inside of it. And then, oh, by the way, if any other manufacturer wants to integrate a fingerprint reader, now the code's already written. And, you know, right. and we start to get this. this so the, you're, you got a problem, though. Here's your here's a core problem is you're you're okay. you're 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 crazy. Crazy is like it all. It's all driven by the consumer. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. A couple of things to just think about here. These carriers essentially have a duopoly. They're horrible, horrible companies that charge you gold like like gold like you would think text messages and data is wrapped in gold it is they are awful and that's not something consumers want guess what they're still doing it you know what else consumers want they want secure devices that don't expose their personal and private information out all over the internet but you know what no the consumers do they just don't know how to ask for it how many people do you met that have ever brought up that concern yeah but if you if you said to a consumer ma'am or uh, sir would you like your private information protected they're gonna say yes consumers want that Verizon knows consumers want that priority for them though exactly so again it's not a priority for the consumer it's not a say i would say it is a because nobody even knows to think about it much less care about it so why does the nexus program exist at all why does that we see and, and 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 the fact of the matter is, I think public opinion and public awareness of these things has increased. I'm going to agree yes, with you; it is not a mass market thing, but I think it's enough that there is probably pressure a bit, and that's why you're seeing companies like Samsung, who are actually mm-hmm. managing to crap out updates four months after something's out or something like that, instead of an yeah. entire year like it used to be. Mm-hmm. They're stepping mm-hmm. it up, but I think it also shows you they're not that concerned about what you want. You can go screw yourself. And then going back to why Samsung went big, it wasn't because they had a whole bunch of gimmicks in the S3 that nobody actually ever uses when they use the S3. The reason why Samsung went big is because they took over a ton of BlackBerry contracts in a ton of small little mobile shops all over the United States, and they blanketed the country in inventory, and they reported the inventory that shipped to the stores and not the actual phones that were ever sold. So so, so those devices sat on shelves. I can buy that to a certain degree, but it doesn't explain what you know. At the time, I was in college when the S3 came out. That that explains that explains a lot. You know, it, you know, maybe in the in the corporate sphere, it doesn't explain why I see a bunch of college kids walking around with S3s, and well, you know, why a bunch of my friends bought them. Um, you know, I'm that, still, yeah, that, they did good. I know. Yeah, but so I, I mean, so I mean, I don't think it was because they had like. 
a camera that watches your eyes so the screen doesn't lock. I don't think that's why they did. No, work. I don't. I don't think it was that. But I, I tell you what, there was more than one person. I was like, oh, the S3 has that NFC. And okay, so print. so uh, let me ask you this. Okay, let, so how, your fund, here's where your I think your fundamental argument though kind of breaks down is because okay. if consumers want it, then the carriers are motivated to do it. How right. are consumers ever going to want Ubuntu? I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think that Samsung wants Ubuntu because they want to have. They want to is be it able convergence? to control the Is it that? Is it? Is it because it has? Maybe, a- maybe that's maybe that's a factor of it. But I don't think it's the primary driving factor. I think the primary driving factor is the 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 manufacturer of the phones want it because they want a software stack they can control more. And I think that <clears throat> once they have that, they'll be able to they'll be able to implement and deliver more favorable features to the consumer. That will drive the consumer to say that they want they don't want Ubuntu. They could care less what runs on the phone. They just know they want the latest and greatest greatest cool thing with the most tricks and toys. Okay. That's what consumer wants. I agree there. I, I wonder how they would get the consumer to care. Maybe it's through tricks like convergence. Maybe it's through yeah, some whiz bang yeah, marketing be- campaign. You know, you got yep. some Samsung executive up on stage saying, this is the greatest and- or Android competitor ever. And maybe they could talk about performance differences. Or I, I, I don't know how you sell stuff people like on that. it. But- yeah, stuff like that. Or you yeah, can run see. simple Steam games. Or, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. But the, the point is, it opens up the ability for the manufacturers to deliver, uh, you know, a different product. And at the very least, I think it's it's going to be something interesting to watch, even if it never takes. You know who because- I'd love to see? I hope it's I hope it's I hope it's Motorola. Uh, or uh, I hope Motorola it's uh, a pretty bad track record with with delivering on mobile, dude. What are you talking about? The Moto G is great. The Moto E is great, and the Moto X is like a fantastic Android phone. Those are yeah, solid I, phones. Do, I mean, I guess I, I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. My wife just got the new Moto. Uh, yeah. The new Moto. She really likes it, but I, I just I don't know. It, yeah. it doesn't seem. I, I've never seen. I've never seen a, a Motorola phone pass like the original Razer that like everyone had. That was the phone that they just had to have. Um, and, and and one other thing I just want to address, going back to your Nexus question as to why the why that market exists. I think that mm. market or I think why Nexus exists is because there is a subset of consumers that want a pure Android device. But I do think they're limited enough to the fact that you never see those devices in any cell phone store. And I think it's because the, the, the there is nobody that's going into a cell phone store. Well, there's a couple of people. I don't think the majority of customers are coming in saying, I want a raw Android device where I have raw Android experience. I think most people are walking in saying, I need a new cell phone. What's the latest and greatest? I'm really comfortable i've had an android phone i guess i'll go that way or i had an iphone and i'm unhappy about this that and the other could you could you recommend some alternatives i think that's the people that are looking for android phones inside of cell phone stores um and i think the true geeks that care about that stuff are those are the ones that are ordering them off of off of yeah. google and I, there's a category of them i just don't think they're the majority so- of Here's why we're talking about this. Mobile World Congress is coming up, and so we'll kind of put a cap on the mobile discussion in the show until then, uh, because Canonical is going to be there at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, February 22nd and through the 25th, and they'll be talking and presenting supposedly some new devices. So we'll probably actually see some real hardware and maybe even some software demos. If you're going to be there, get a video of it and let us know. Because we can't yeah. make it to Barcelona for that, yeah. but I would love Let's to see that. <laughs> All right. Okay, Noah. So listen, uh, SourceForge, man, they feel real bad. They're super sorry, and they want you to come back because they have new management, and they're not going to do some of that silly shenanigans anymore. That is the word coming from the new booses. Uh, at, at the end of January, SourceForge, Slashdot, and others were sold to uh, BizX or Busy, whatever, LLC. Uh, so they got sold. Slashdot got sold to a new owner, and so did SourceForge. And they say, our first order of business was to terminate the DevShare program. As of last week, the DevShare program was completely eliminated. The DevShare program delivered installer bundles as part of the download for participating projects. We want to restore our reputation as a trusted home for open source software. And this was a clear first step towards that. Eliminating the DevShare program was the first step of many more to come. 
Plans for the near future include full HTTPS support for both SourceForge and Slashdot, and a lot more changes we think developers and end users will embrace. Are you back in the uh, on the bandwagon? Do you trust them? Not even close. Really? Here's the thing. SourceForge was one of the first websites, when I was first getting into open source and I was first getting into Linux, That SourceForge was one of those things that came along and I was like, yeah. oh, from now on, when I see something coming from SourceForge, I can trust it, and it'll, you know, and I, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about yeah. stuff. It's not, it's not download.com because it's, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're gonna pull a straw and who knows what you're gonna get. And now, you know, as it comes, as it turns out, that's exactly what it ended up being. It was like, it was like LimeWire for for 2015. It was, you know, <laughs> who knows what's gonna come with the software you download. And so, no, I'm not going back. As far as I'm concerned, they can die. I just, I'm done with SourceForge. Hey, I mean, but it's it, Valentine's it, it, Day, dude. Well, fine. I tell you what. Here's the happy Valentine's Honey. Day. Honey, five years. If in five years they still have their act together, I don't. You know what? Here's what. If SourceForge wants to be trustworthy, here's what they should do. They should open it up to the Linux Foundation, or the uh, you know, like the Linux Foundation, or Red Hat, or Canonical, or some company that has an actual proven track record of having you know a, a good community base and caring about the the community and its users, and let them run SourceForge. But as long as some cockamamie company out there is owns it, I want nothing to do with them. And maybe after five years, if they turn their track record around and 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 you know maybe they can earn earn everyone else's trust back by burning them or not burning them for a while, and then maybe I'll come around. But right now, I'm a grumpy old man, and I say get off all right the lawn has been cleared ladies and gentlemen and that's all the news for this week let's talk about a practical tool to actually grow a community have a conversation and engage with the public noah's been working with a great piece of open source software called discourse he's going to tell us a little bit about it the job it's played i hope and he's going to tell me how to set it up in like no time flat. We're going to do it right here live on the show. But first, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and get the Linux Academy unplugged discount. This is an awesome platform and service to learn more about all the technologies around Linux. They have over 2,300 self-paced courses, downloadable comprehensive study guides, stuff you can listen to while you're in the shower, taking a walk, you know, doing some chores, like a podcast. And then you go on there and they have all of the, they have really the best tools to do all this stuff, stuff you've never really gotten a chance to play with before because they really are Linux users at heart. So they've built this stuff for Linux users, scenario-based labs where you get real hands-on experience, instructor mentoring when you need it, graded server exercises. I invite you to go check out any of the seven plus distros you can choose from when you're building the courseware and the virtual machines that will spin up as part of that courseware. You can keep track of your progress as you go. If you've been curious about things like the Red Hat courses or Python development or DevOps or PHP or Ruby development or hell, even Android, they've got courses on that. They have always, always expanding content, always updating their content to stay relevant. And this week, they have some new announcements. They have two new live labs using data pipelines to copy a DynamoDB to S3. And now the idea here is this is an exercise you could go through to get actual hands-on experience and then go do it in production and feel like you know what you're doing. Uh, they have another uh, another live session, too. You can check out. They have three new YouTube videos. They have an update on the iOS app they're working on. And they also have some student successes, including uh, students who got jobs uh, and passed their... Uh, their courses, like uh, Kurt and his Linux Essential. Look at all these guys that are passing their courses there, Noah. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. It's a nice community over there because they're stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. And when you have a lot of time or a little bit of time, they have courseware that works for you. They can automatically adjust your availability. You punch in how much time you have. Or even better, and I think this is a really cool idea because, you know, as the idea behind How To Linux was kind of this, is these nuggets 
I love these nuggets. They're also putting the live shows in there, which I think is a great way for you to catch up the live shows and find out more about Linux Academy. Uh, I think these nuggets are great when you just have a couple of minutes. Some of them are like two minutes long, and some of them are like an hour long. Like this one on SSH tunneling is super quick. And it's just something you can go chew on when you have a little bit of extra time. It's all part of your Linux Academy subscription. So go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Visiting there supports this show. Let us know you heard about it here. But you also, you get a really good discount. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Okay. You know, if you've ever wanted a VPN and you don't want to spend the money or the time or the effort to set up a Take VPN, go check out the, yeah, go yeah. check out that. Well, no, go check out the Nugget on SSH tunneling. And oh, they have, have courses on it too. But yeah, you're right. If you just want to jump in, the Nugget would be a good way to get started. That's pretty cool. Okay, mm -hmm. Noah, why the heck would I want to use Discourse? Give me like so the uh, elevator pitch I, here. I I have gone on air numerous times and say I don't like the cloud. I don't like, <laughs> and I don't like. And then and then uh, 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 in, a, in a totally hypocritical way, I am sitting down in a meeting with a client, and the client tells me they said, you know, we need a way for uh, our you know to have um, you know group discussions, and basically we want a forum. And so, do I look for an open source solution? Do I look for forum software? No, I tell them create a subreddit <laughs> because I don't want. To Another service. I, I don't want the headache. And the thing is, it didn't really seem like something that would, I would have any fun doing. And so I was just being lazy. And I'm like, listen, just go create a subreddit. And then somebody else will take care of everything for you. And then all your employees. And I'm trying to sell them on this, uh, this you know, quote unquote, cloud based. It's easier. They don't want, yeah, they don't want anything to do with it. They're like, no, we don't trust it. It's not customizable, whatever. So we sit down and I'm like, all right, let's go through <clears throat> your requirements. What do you want? And they said, well, we want it to be we want we want to own it. We want it to be ours, and we want it hosted on our equipment. Um, we want it to be internal. We don't want it accessible from the outside world. Um, only inside the, the the building. We want to be able to customize it. We want to be able to brand it, so it's not. It isn't you know Reddit.com slash blah blah blah. Yeah. We want it you know just one. So they got a, they, almost what you might call a vision here, Noah. Yeah, yeah, they were they're 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 pretty emphatic, and you know, and so and so they 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 had all this stuff. So I, you know, I went and sat and thought about it for a little bit, and I thought, well, let me go see what uh, software alternatives are out there in the open source world, and see how hard this set up. And I had it in my head, I was going to go have to set up PHP, and I was going to go have to set up you know PHP v Bulletin or something like that. And I, I'm like all this stuff, and then I start thinking about the email generation, and the, uh, then they have to manage. Oh that right, oh yeah, yeah. I just, the more I think about it, it's giving me heartburn and headache, and I'm like, I just please just use Reddit. So I got babies to have. I ain't got time for this. Right, exactly. Well, this is before babies. Yeah, but, I know. So, so I'm going through all this stuff, and I'm figuring this out, and I, eventually I stumble onto Discourse, and I'm playing with it. And the more I'm playing with it, the more it's clicking. And the fact that yes, you can fully you can fully customize it. Yes, it is completely open source. You can totally brand it, and you you're not subject to the rules and stuff of Reddit. So Reddit will pull threads and stuff if if it you know violates certain things, or you have certain content or whatever. If you want to avoid all that crap. That's not there. And then I installed it and it just blew my mind because they have, you know, you know, the last week when I was just telling you how much or the week before I was just telling whatever it was, I was telling you how I didn't think that inline embedded media was a, was a big deal. I'm like, ah, I just go to the site anyway. We're talking about I Slack, said? right? Yeah. Yeah. Turns out it's actually super convenient, <laughs> super, super oh, huh. uh, awesome. When you huh. have, when somebody posts a link to a video to be able to just play that video right there in the thread. Oh, and not you don't say, up. you don't say, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. say. Huh, so I'm glad I was able to think of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, so, and, and as I'm playing with this, the way that they have structured everything you've ever hated about internet forums, everything you've ever hated about it, the fact that, um, the fact that you have, when you go to an internet forum, you know how usually it has all the topics and you don't care about 90% of them, but there was that, there, you want to talk about where everyone else, where the hot topics are. And so you go through each one to find where the most comments are and stuff like that. 
Discourse takes care of all of that. It is an amazing piece of software. And the best part is you can set it up in about like 10 minutes. And I'm hoping that we can, you know, you and I can work together okay. and we can make it out right here on the show. So uh, before we started this segment on the live stream, I set up a, a DigitalOcean droplet uh, just so we have a quick Linux rig. I've already set my root password. I'm pretty much good to go, Noah. Um, okay. In fact, I I have it right here on the screen. Um, so I've got a base Ubuntu 14.04 install running kernel 3.13 right now. All up to date. I've done one reboot, so my current uptime is only 17 minutes. Wow, we've been right. just goofing off for a while on the live stream. <laughs> what do what do we have for what do we have for a memoir? Uh, I think I went two gigs of right. uh, memory, so uh, we don't need a swap file in. Yeah, so I I might have only gone one gig. I lied to you. I no. might only go. I only went one gig. But yes. Okay. Yes. So we so we have to set up a swap file. Your face, uh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah. So well, we'll, uh, here, let's try it. Let's see if it gives us an error. It might just because I mean, we're not having a whole bunch of users on this thing. You're telling me? Yeah. Okay. No, I just I don't know if Discourse will actually install without a swap. But we can try. We'll try. We'll try it. And let's see what happens. Or all right. We set let's give yeah, it a shot. I'm curious. Let's find out. Because okay, you know, right. a lot of people that watch and listen to the show are not doing the swap file anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have I enough think RAM. I, I suspect it might actually throw an error, but it might just tell you that you, you might be a little unstable, and then you can say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We're just using it for a demo anyway. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that was what I was thinking. I'm not planning to keep this thing running once we're done. That wasn't really my my intention, but uh, all right. See how amazing it is. Maybe. You might be right. I did put it on a on a public droplet, so it, it, it would be possible. All right, so what's my first step, sir? All right, so our first step is we're going to create a, a, a directory in VAR called Discourse. And okay. We'll do that. So you want me to go over to var, I take it, and make yeah. a brand new directory and spell that for me. Discourse. Whoa, D -I -S. You are beeping at me every now and then. D-I-S what? C-O-U-R-S-E. Okay. So I make myself, because I'm running with root. Do I need to change any permissions on that or anything like that? I don't believe so. Okay. And then we're going to copy. They have a, uh, oh, you know what else we have to do? Hmm. What? Uh, we what? Have what? To, we have to run the git clone to pull down the, discor uh, the discourse docker dot git. Oh, oh, oh. Do I, I don't have yeah. docker installed on this machine. Um, ba, 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 ba. I think, I think you just, I think if you run that, that git command, I'm not super, super familiar with exactly how this works, but I think if you run that git command, it pulls <laughs> you know, what's funny. Azer huh. in the chat room says there's a one click for discourse already in DigitalOcean. That's hilarious. Well, yeah, that, that, no, I don't, I know, don't say I know, that. That ruins the whole show segment. Jeez, you guys. What's wrong with you? <laughs> All um, right, so copy uh, that git command. That so, git clone command. Oh, you, oh, did you? Where'd you put it? Where'd you put this? It's, command? it's inside the doc there. Oh, okay. Oh, Would okay. You like oh, you put. Yeah. You mean like you put it in the show notes? Yeah. Oh, you're you're such a you're such a gentleman. Okay. All right, I can do that. Look at you putting oh, all the commands in the show oh, notes. Like we plan to do this. Gosh, that is that is really helpful, Noah. That is really helpful. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't. See, you should have told me I needed Git and all this stuff. I don't. I don't have well, any of this. Here's the, here's the deal. I just made an Ubuntu droplet, and I don't remember having to install. Uh, uh huh. Yeah, but that would that would make sense though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. No. All right. So I am now uh, getting, and uh, we have ourselves. Look at this. I now have a directory full of stuff. I'm gonna go oh, in. What should I go into? You tell me what to now, do next. Should I go? Uh, uh, now, now we should. Now we should probably go into var slash discourse. Okay. And we're gonna copy the standalone uh, YML file to the container slash app YML file. And I, I believe what that's doing is it's it's copying a. Uh, it's copying a, 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 you know, like a template over to the, uh, our, our app, right? Okay. So we have copied over a sample file and uh, into the uh, slash containers directory. So there's like a Docker container in this uh, thing that I just checked out from Git? I believe so. Ooh, look and at now you. We, 
And now we can open that configuration file that that, that with Nano or VI or Gedit. Oh, and... sure, I'll use Nano for you, baby. I don't mind. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah, that's fine. It's, uh, hey, it's Valentine's Day. Whatever text editor you want, you're the yeah. boss. Um, and then we're going to, and then, now this is really important. The developer email field, we have to change that to uh, to an email of your choice. It, <laughs> okay. It, it, that's very important because that is how, that's essentially going to become our admin user. So if that isn't filled out. So and if email hold on one second. I want to interrupt. Whole server breaks. Okay. So, you, so before I go any further, I got to go change no. the dev email what? It, okay. It I see right here. Develop Discourse developer yep. emails. Is that what you're yep. talking about? Yep. Okay. So and and that's got to be legit. Yeah, it has to be something that you can actually okay. receive. Okay, Noah at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Got works. it. That works. Broadcasting.com. Okay, got it. Now, okay. here's All another right. thing I noticed that jumped out at me, Noah. Uh, yep. you, were, you were concerned because I only put it on a one gigabyte droplet. Uh -huh. uh, it says here on one gig installs, set it to 128 megabytes of RAM to leave room for other processes. So maybe I should. Oh, nice. Uh, so I should maybe do yeah. that right there, yeah, right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to uncomment that. This is the DB underscore shared underscore buffers. And I would imagine okay. if you're not doing a whole bunch of people, well, gigabytes got to be enough. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I would think so. I would think so. Any other things that need to change in this config? Yeah, a couple of things. We have to set the host name for the machine. Holy it smokes, Noah. All right, host There's name. Like seven of these. You'll live. Okay. Here, I'm going to change it. Now, my host is, uh, I love this. I, I just kind of made this up as we started here. Talk.jupiter.chat. Huh? Excellent. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's not actually registered yet, so don't bother. But that actually could work. All right, so what's next? <clears throat> and now we have uh, below that, you see all those, un oh those comments. Oh, my gosh. All the SMTP stuff? Are you kidding yeah, yeah. me? Yeah. But right. the good news is I have sent all this to you in a Slack document. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, and so while you're doing that, I will explain that what what essentially what Spark <clears throat> Spark Post is. Spark Post is a service that you sign up for for free, and essentially what they allow you to do is send bulk emails. And so, for example, if you have a forum server where you have 50 people a day that are signing up, it has to generate and send out an email to each one of those people and say, you know, it's confirmed, or you have a new form update, or you have a new registry update, or whatever it is. Um, and I have, I just as a testing purposes, I tried doing this with Gmail, and it actually worked just fine. Oh, really? Only, you mean yeah, use Gmail to send mail out? Yep. The only issue I ran into was, well, twofold. One is it Gmail blocked the access attempt, obviously, because it said it's from, you know, California or wherever I had the droplet. And it says, you know, you are, did you mean to sign in here? We, we blocked it. And so I turned that off. But the other thing I had to do was I had to go into my Gmail settings and change to allow access for insecure apps because apparently SMTP is insecure. Where do and I so, set auth to login at? Where is that done at? You don't. You oh, don't. Okay. It, as long as you put a username so and a password. Do you want to, can you see okay. that? Can you double check my work there? I got it. looks uh, great, except they're all commented. It looks like. Oh, yeah, you're right. Thanks. <laughs> except but, for uh, the one thing that isn't is the SMTP server address. Yeah, well, that's good. Okay. All right. <laughs> and so I got, and that, I got the like password. Oh, TLS, true? Should that be turned on or no? Uh, that's fine. Yeah, true. Okay. All fine. right. All right. So it's port 587, then good. So, all right. Yeah. So, so hopefully we have all of that. And so you can go ahead and save it. Okay. X that, that, that business. And then we're going to bootstrap it by running the command dot launcher space bootstrap space app. So again, and this is, this will be in the, uh, in the show notes. So I'll go, I'll go grab that. So I'm going to, so this is uh, they have a launcher folder here. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, Noah, here I go. Get ready for my paste action. Are you ready? Boom. Hitting mm -hmm. paste and run it running. Uh, your Docker installation is not supported file system. If we process your, your broken install, blah, blah, blah. so I don't have AFUS installed, I think is probably what it's telling me, right? How? Uh, how no. The device Docker zero does not exist. I think this is because we don't have Docker installed. I think, right? Did we not? Hold on one second. No, because it's not in the base of, uh, it's not in yeah. the base of 1404. That's okay. You know, what? I'm just going to do app get install Docker. Boom. Now it's up. Uh, and there was probably one other thing I wanted to add besides just Docker. Uh, 
I'll watch the chat room, see if anybody has some suggestions. But I'll see what it does now. No, it's still complaining at us. Uh, your recommended file system should be using ButterFS or ZFS. Huh. This is weird because this worked on <laughs> this worked on Friday. Let's see here. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, what you got, Noah? What you got? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I may have found the problem. Run this command. Uh, w get. <laughs> okay. I love it already. I'm in the discourse directory too, by the way. Okay. Uh, w get. Yeah. I don't think that'll matter. Space. Should, I, is there, should you just want to put this link somewhere or you yeah, want to be like yeah. an animal? Well, yeah, be like, why, don't I, why don't I do that? Why yeah. don't I just paste this? All right. Yeah. Where are you going to paste up, it? I'm going to go ahead and up in the, in the, uh, in the slackers. Okay. You put yeah. it over there and I'll go get it from there. Okay. All right. And yeah. I'm, <laughs> let me see if you're going to laugh. And I'm Chat room says run rm dash rf. Okay. And slash. slash. Okay. Okay. And, and then, uh, and then it's going to give you some warnings, but don't worry about that. That's perfectly oh, normal. So this, com this is a command to go out and get, uh, this, uh, this, the shell script from Docker, right? So this is, this is a great idea. This is something we always recommend you do on the Linux action show. Uh, so this, but this is actually a really so. What this, well, I've actually played with this before. Is I, if I recall, is I think it actually gets like your uh, repos pointed over to Docker's uh, hosted mm -hmm. repos, and then goes out and gets all the S. So this should get us all the Docker stuff we need. The other way, honestly, if you told me we we're going to use Docker, I would have just deployed the droplet with Docker installed. Yeah, but yeah. now that we have this. I thought about that actually when you started, but then I was like, well, I, because I didn't do that. I, and I, I must have missed a step. That's there, okay. So. Add it to the show notes. And That's then they fun. can, then, because you know what? Pe people at home might already have 1404 and not have Docker installed. And this is the mm -hmm. legit way to get Docker. All right. So now I should probably try that bootstrap app, right? All right. Let's see if it works. All right. Boom. We got magic, Noah. Okay. It's doing something. It's pulling down well, file system layers for Docker right now. It's telling me to be patient too. I always love it when software does that. <laughs> hey, I'm making magic here. You know, there was a rumor this week going around that Docker might be bailing on using Ubuntu as the base for a lot of its images. Really? Yeah, you know, we don't talk a lot about that, but all the a lot of these Docker images are all based on Ubuntu, right? And so that's a big deployment for Canonical. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it sounds like... Yeah, it's, here's the thing, too. This is the second week in a row that we have had uh, apps that uh, heavily, you know, that yeah. it wasn't... It was yeah, a oh, Chat. by the way, Rocket Chat followed up with me, and now they have uh, instructions just to load it on your rig standard style. I, I, I was going to say, didn't they have? Didn't somebody in the chat room point that out last week? I think so. But Rocket Chat actually reached out directly, which is kind of cool. They, yeah. they they were fans of the show, and so uh, that is in my Twitter feed. If you guys want to find that, uh, which I yeah. think I might actually, knowing that, want to give Rocket Chat uh, another go again. The the thing is, I uh, you know, is as much as you know, really, if you think about it, Docker is. Docker is to computers what shipping containers are to moving freight. Yep. Right. That's the that's the metaphor. Yeah, and so it's it's it's, it's kind of crazy, but they it has enabled me to do a lot of this kind yeah. of stuff. Like I was yeah. playing with this. If yeah. this had taken any longer, if I had to actually go set right. up all the individual components that Discord. That's the nice thing. It, it like trying Rocket Chat, man. It's up in just a few seconds once you have Docker mm -hmm. installed, and you can do that with great. You know, it's not that's not an Ubuntu thing either, which is really you know it's that's a big thing. So by the way, Azer's pointing out, which I didn't mention, the Linux that they're thinking about switching to from uh, Ubuntu in Docker images is Alpine Linux, which is like an even lower level. And they're all like best friends with the Docker project right now. Like they've been making out for for a while, so it's it's looking like a there's a lot of smoke to that fire. And I but I I don't think it'd be like a major transition because so much stuff's already out there based on Ubuntu. Okay, it does kind of make sense. Okay, yeah. So now we're gonna go ahead. It's and now hold on. This is a problem. This is a oh, problem. This really? is a uh, you must have at least one gigabyte swap when running with less than two gigabytes of RAM, like you was talking about. Uh, yeah. Your system may not work properly, or future upgrades of Discourse may not complete successfully. Now. I wonder okay. what would really happen if we just continue. I want to push on. I'm, I'm, let's be like Kramer and just keep going to see how far we can get. So What's says, the worst that can happen? It's not like this is live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's hit enter. <clears throat> okay. 
And now we're going to start doom, the doom, doom. Uh, using pups. Look at that. And so it's pulling down Postgres. It's got Postgres so. up in this biz. Oh yeah, probably in the in the container. Yeah. Okay. You know what's funny actually? You know, doing doing. You know, when you can plan out what you're gonna say, and then you can pre-record all of the stuff of how you know you come out looking like a real expert. When you're like, ah, command's not working. Then you learn what we actually do. What everyone actually <laughs> how you do, actually build how, how people really build how to segments. Yeah. This exactly. is it. Yeah. Monkey mm -hmm. see, monkey do. Monkey not working. Monkey go well, find it, something. You know, and it, it's because oh. you can always have different. Con <laughs> you're always maybe starting from different base configs, right? And that yeah. makes all the difference. Uh, yeah, really? well, I mean, if the, the weird thing is, and I'm not sure, maybe I just forget, maybe I just, for, maybe I just did it absentmindedly and wasn't really thinking, but because I've done this so many times now in the in the past couple of days that you know for you know running through to pegging down exactly how to get this working, mm -hmm. I haven't really thought about it. But the uh, you know, but I I know I started with a plain 1404 droplet from a from uh, the oceans of digitals. Yeah. So I would think yeah. that it would it would have been the same. You know why I've been and I, I I probably sound like a little bit like I've repeated myself, but you know why I've been starting with a Docker based image because if I'm doing Docker software, you just mm -hmm. hit that reset and it's just right back to a yeah. base 1404 yeah, with Docker yeah. preinstalled, and it's from the Docker repos too. So it's like mm -hmm. it's like. Good upstream Docker. Uh, I don't even know how to set up a. Uh, uh, what was it? It wasn't. Uh, there it goes. Oh, it's moving. No, it's moving. There was a there was a one click deployment that I just did. Oh, OwnCloud. I have yet to get OwnCloud set up with uh, with <laughs> SSH. <laughs> yeah, I know. With, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But I have yet to get OwnCloud set up with SSL without using their one click deployment. Like I can't even get it to work. I, I'm I'm that dumb. Like I I've tried a couple times and it, it's not working. And I just got I'm like ah screw it. I'll just go to DigitalOcean, click on the button, and it'll work. And it's amazing. Like it, it's it's honestly it's it's like the next level of installing Zotero. Like, I like, like here's X Metal. He says Rekai, just move this entire segment to the outtake. And we'll just skip it. <laughs> no, no, we're getting close. I it's actually not bad. Come no, on, guys. no. It's actually this is this is the process. That's okay. Things, things are happening. Like here's the thing. This is what's like, the thing, Noah. The thing is, it's like doing it yourself, except instead of staring at progress bars, you have our beautiful mugs to look at and commentary yeah. to go while the while the thing scrolls. Now, while that is installing, I do have something right here I could show off on the show. Yeah, yeah, you should because I'm really curious. And if it is, if it's what I think it is. That'd be amazing, but I thought we were just having a conversation about how that wasn't going to happen. So check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Linux Action Show tote bags arrived. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to show. Linux Action Show tote bags. We ordered them from the EU when we were doing the shirt campaign. I got the red. Of course, right here I got the blue. Did you get me one? Because I really want. Yeah, one man. Of when you come out, okay, I got, I'm going to set one okay. aside for you. You can okay, pick. Good. Here's the green. Watch. Oh, it doesn't key out because it's a dark green. That's pretty cool. Look at that dark green not keying out. Anyways, so we got the new totes. Uh, they're pretty cool. I want to find a US distributor. That's going to be that's good. I I can I can hook you up. Yeah, for I, a tote bag, I, and they can do like yeah. fulfillment and stuff. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. okay. I, well, I guess I don't know about fulfillment. Mm. I, I'll have to look. Maybe, but I uh, here the 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 other thing is in addition to the thing, the additional thing is is those are super useful for conferences. Yes. And the, problem I always have is it almost becomes like a statement of your person. When you walk around with a tote bag, I yeah. don't want to be the guy that has the conference bag. Yeah. And so I could take a bag from a different conference, which yeah. is like, that's one step above cool. Yeah. But then it's like, well, do I really want to like, what conference do I like the best? Do I got to, I got to read this tweet I got to you uh, from, okay. uh, I got it over, I think just yesterday a while. So right now, by the way, the software is downloading like uh, web assets. Uh, it is set up a Postgres database that look like going by. And so it's downloaded a desktop desktop, mobile, and a uh, couple of different, uh, like, I think RTL probably stands for real-time CSS, so it's getting down, like, all the good JavaScripts and CSSs. So while that goes, I'm going to pull up this tweet that I got over the weekend that I thought was, was pretty funny.
funny because it's just talking about swag. Uh, <laughs> Alex Brown on Twitter says, at Chris Lass, I was wearing my last sweatshirt hoodie at church and a random dude started asking me Linux questions. <laughs> Yeah. And so I said to him, I said, I said, yeah, sometimes buying the shirts, you know, you turn into a Linux ambassador. Yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah I guess so. Uh, Vermont, not really a Linux user place, but I was able to answer questions thanks to the show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually, it's kind of funny that um, how much stuff that that you, you, you get in just passing of watching the show. I mean, back, you know, for a long time, I've used, I've used Linux Action Show as a, as a source of information, because if you think about it, the amount of information that we, that, that is dispensed here on the show uh, in a given week, you would pay really good money to take that as you a know, class. Like, you know, so I've got to give a shout out to my uh, Uber driver last night, Matthew. So we took Lady Jupiter down uh, to the service center to, cause you know, when you get a new rig, um, especially when it's a 2014. It's so it's a new rig that we got, but it was a 2014. So they were like crazy motivated to sell it because the 2016s are coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the problem is, guess what happens when a vehicle has been sitting around the lot since 2014? Like there's a couple of things that need to be fixed up. Plus yeah. these rigs are so big that there's just like a thousand little things that have to be fixed up regardless. So we mm-hmm. take it, we took it back after the, you know, the road trip down to scale. And, uh, so it's been, a f- it's been a few weeks and it's down getting serviced and we get down there and we're like, well, now we need to get it right back. So we call an Uber. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Matthew. Matthew was just coming, no joke, from the nearby library where he was studying uh, some SANS uh, Unix and Linux courses and he no was kidding. just learning about uh, Linux file permissions. So when, he, so when he picks me up, he noticed that Hadia had the Linux Action Show shirt on or something to uh-huh. that effect. So we start talking about Linux and we're going and we're way down in, uh, we're, we're way, way, we're like, we're like two and a half hours away from the studio where we're at. And uh, so we're talking so much about Linux that uh, Hadia mentions, hey, is this an electric car? He goes, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, what's the range on this thing? It's like, oh, about 80 miles. He's like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make this. It's way farther than 80 miles. And he's like, what? So <laughs> Matthew's totally cool guy. Totally. So we're like, no problem. We're kind of hungry. Drop us off. We dropped, he dropped us off at Outback Steakhouse, got a Bloomin' Onion, uh, and then called another Uber driver <laughs> after that. And they took us the rest of the way to the studio. So oh, That works out. Well, it must have been a leaf then, huh? Uh, yeah, it was a leaf. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, the leaf, where, you know, it just runs out and stops driving, the Volt has a little, like, yeah. it's basically a little Honda generator. Yeah. And you yeah. start it up, and, and then that, it's not an engine per se that drives the car, but the engine charges the battery, and right. then you can keep going. So, guess so, what? No, uh, after that story finished up, uh, we successfully bootstrapped. And so now, do I just run launch, dot launch, no. uh, launch start app? As the uh, as the RTFM says, yes, to start <laughs> to start dot slash. I like it when they put it right there in the output. That makes yeah. it nice and easy, doesn't it? Okay, yeah. no, I'm running the app right okay. now. Doom, 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 doom. Okay, and then nothing's returning, so I'm assuming it's running. Oh, here it goes. Holy okay. smokes! Holy cow! Okay, so now we should be able to visit the website. Are you kidding me? And it's, so has it already set up like all of the port forwarding and everything? Every, well, what do you mean by port forwarding? Well, like I mean for like Docker. So oh, like. Uh, yeah, like if I uh, so I don't have to go in and like uh, forward any ports from for no, for my Docker no, you container. Just, you 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 stick that host name or the the IPID address into the uh, wow into Noah the, wow. And we should have a Discord server All running. Right. And so let me see. So I just go. So I can just go uh, straight to the thing here. I'm I'm, I'm going right now. I'm uh, I'm waiting, Noah. I'm waiting. Something's happening, Noah. Something is. Oh my goodness! Look okay, at that. Right. Let's go ahead and sign up for an account. This is very exciting. So I just click sign up. Yeah. Oh man, now I am thrilled. Look at me. I got my own now discourse fir- going. Now the first person you have to sign up is me because. So I'm going to put Noah at Jupiter Broadcasting. Jupiter Broadcasting.com. Username 
kernel. You want all lowercase? Kernel sure. Linux. Sure. That'd be great. Name is kernel Linux. Password is password. No, I probably shouldn't say it out loud. <laughs> password one, two, three. Damn, I did it again. Password one. <laughs> Damn, I did it again. Oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, I want to. So, boy, it got to be eight characters. Let's see. It's Valentine's Day. So let's do that. Okay. Okay. I got a new account. Okay. Now, now if you set the email up right. Oh, sorry. The password's too common. I guess people know about your secret thing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yikes. Yikes. Okay, I got another one for you. I got another one coming at you, Discuss. See if you'll take this one. Password looks good, Discuss says. It was one of the most uh, top 10,000 most commonly used password, it said. Really? I feel like a bit of a dope. All right, so now you should have an email now at okay, noah at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Now, this is, this is the part that I, I had to redo like two or three different times because uh, if you screw anything up in the email, then we don't get an email, and then <laughs> that's the end of the right. show. Inappropriate. So if I messed anything up in the SMTP config, which happened to be the only part I didn't copy and paste, for some reason I typed the whole thing out by hand, and we all know how good that's going to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know what? I think you'll be able to sign yourself up. No, yeah, nope. Nobody can sign up for accounts at the email. I have, but I believe you that it's working. Like yeah. I'm here well, now. So I mean, here, here's the great thing. I'll, I'll tell you because having done this a couple times, I've troubleshot this exact problem. Here's what you would do. We may not actually do this on the air, but what you can do is you can go back and re-edit that YML uh, file and it change and fix the SMTP uh, uh, the uh, the SMTP information oh. <laughs> and then there is a and That's then there is a command, there is a command which of course I don't know off the top of my head to rebootstrap the entire installation and because we don't have any actual data in the database or anything like that it wouldn't really be a big deal and you wouldn't have to do the entire thing over again um, and then we could fix that and then I would give chat room says chat room says what I did was I did I, I mistyped broadcasting because apparently I don't type that enough uh, even though it's probably one of the top five things in my life I type I didn't type that enough, so uh, I could go. Well, do you remember what that? What was that file I nanoed? I could go update that real quick. Yeah, well, it should be in the bash history. But here's oh, here's is that how that works now? <laughs> I wasn't just trying to get the name again so the people know it. That's fine. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, all right, all right. Let me go look at this thing. Um, here is here is another thought though. Is that um, at the time I didn't type. I didn't mistype. Jupiter Broadcasting. Charm's drunk. <laughs> here's the here's the other thing. Uh, is that the it actually all that would affect if and you might have gotten it right because I just it dawned on me that Gmail likes to uh, filter spam. Oh, did you get but, it? Well, then go check well, your. I don't know. I'm logging into. Whoa, my you got this weird high pitched beep thing that makes me want you know to what? put That's a squirrel better. in my ear. Is that, is that better? No, no, it's like some audio interface thing. You're gonna have to oh, yes. play this moment back on the show where I'm going where I'm pointing at the screen going, "Damn it, Noah." Okay, Noah. So you're gonna when you come back and play back and just find me pointing at the screen like this saying, "Damn it, Noah," and then just go back at like like 30 seconds and then hear why it sounds like somebody just jammed a squirrel in my ear for like a millisecond. Okay. All right. I'll <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll go back and listen and I'll I'll pull the 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 uh, the squirrel out of your ear. Thanks. All right. So uh, okay. did you? Uh, well, I, I am. I, I it is not in the it is not in the spam folder. So is I'm there not any sure. particular reason we have to go any further? I mean, I have the discourse set up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So basically, at this point, if if your email was working, which ours is not, and oh well. Um, but basically, at this point, what would end up happening is that. You would, uh, I would sign up for an account, and I would act. We, we would actually be able to play with, uh, with Discourse. Now, actually, interestingly enough, uh, it ju this just dawned on me right this second. If you want to see what Discourse is like and you want to play with it, you can actually head over to community.mypaint.org, and they actually are using Discourse to uh, as their as as the MyPaint community to facilitate their hmm. community. 
infrastructure. That's and so exciting. You and you can actually see how my pay, uh, how uh, Discourse works. But the, again, the, the most interesting thing to me, or the, the thing that stood out to me, was the way that it displays the way that the community is interacting. Because the people that post, all of those posts go up to the top, kind of like uh, kind of like Reddit does with the with the ability to move up and down. Okay. Uh, so try.discourse.org is where you could go to play with it. Try.discourse. Oh, that would work too, yeah. Yeah, you could go play with that too. All right, so I did another one. I did another one because the chat room says I mistyped it when the sign up, but you know what? I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true, but it's fine because you know what? No, that's a pr- so Discourse is actually a, a pretty well-loved uh, form software. A lot of good communities can use Discourse, and it's super easy to get going. But maybe do a droplet with two gigs if you do it on DigitalOcean, it sounds like, mm-hmm. or do a you know whatever your server is, do it with two gigs of mm-hmm. RAM. Uh, yeah, yeah Rust I'm uses that. I'm discourse. definitely sold on it, and if I if I find a time where I think that I need a community, it's def- discourse is definitely going to be the go-to for. <laughs> Jeremy says it's in the recording. You know what? Okay, so it sounds like a typo. The password, the uh, email, but I'm looking at it right here. I didn't check your email right now. See if you get a. See if you okay. get a. Yeah. Hey Noah, see if you got an hey. email in there because the chat room is right, getting rough. They're on, getting rough. Hold on. I'm gonna click into the Gmail and I'm gonna check the spam folder and it is not there. And I'm gonna check the in- inbox and it, it 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 does not appear to be mm. in the inbox or the mm. spam folder. You, the, I I think the chat room might be. Um, what's the word when it's not less than correct? Um, no, they're probably right. But uh, oh, really? I think we got ourselves a. I think we got ourselves a paradox here, Noah. A paradox. I see. I see. So well, discourse- you know, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be any fun if it totally worked on air because then it would spoil the the opportunity. For the for the uh, for the community to go try it. So hey, have- well, let me ask you this. So once Discourse gets up and running, it's more than just forum software, right? It's like uh, I mean, there's a lot going on with Discourse. Um, well, I mean, I, the extent that I've used it is basically to replace forum software, right? But it's, I mean, it's for but it's like it's like a forum software with live real time videos and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's a really yeah, nice yeah, software it embeds, package. Yeah, it embeds. It, yeah, well, it'll embed. Then give us some credit. I mean, yeah, we just got it. So we sure we were bragging about how you can get set up in ten minutes, but like you said at the intro. Uh, it's very modern with some really nice features that makes forms like a whole, it takes a whole new take on forms. Exactly. They have taken all the things that, that you liked about instant messaging, you know, IRC kind of a thing and move that into, and move that into 2016 where you have a modern look on form. Cause I mean, let's face it, forms, most forms, they have, uh, they have like, they're still like hyperlinks. Like they look like links. It's a, it doesn't have a modern design. It doesn't look modern. And, and the, the interface is confusing in Reddit. Even if you, I mean, like, you know, those of us that use Reddit on a daily basis then you know it becomes pretty obvious but if you have never used reddit before like my wife when she goes on reddit the fact that the topic you know is is it can be a link and take you totally off of reddit and then the comments are totally separate from the actual topic and stuff like that you know there's certain things about reddit that in behavior is a little bit different that can really throw a person off Hmm. um and so, and, and discourse, it just, it's a very intuitive interface. Like I, first time I ever used it, I was able I to figure it a thumbs up. Yeah. It looks really yeah. nice, though, UI-wise. Uh, all right. So here's the, here's the deal. Now you know what it's like to install it. You know what kind of bumps or uh, speed bumps, you know, as they were, metaphorically speaking, to run, you might run into and uh, things to do. And other ways you get started, you could just try it out or deploy an image with Docker already set up or get that kind of going. And we'll have all of the commands we ran to get going in about 10 minutes, including, like, the git command that I ran and all that. We won't have the SMTP server stuff, though. Go set that up on your own. But what, uh, you can go to that service that Noah talked about, the uh, Spark Post. Spark Post, where you know, let's you, it's a real easy way to try it out. So there you go. That's the Linux Action Show's take at that thing called Discourse. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. We have got some feedback to get to. I have an unboxing to do. I got a couple people on hold that want to talk to us, but really quick, I'm going to mention System76. 
creators of machines born to run Linux. Noah and I are up to our eyeballs in System76 rigs. I've been for about a decade because they're just machines you get. They just work with Linux. They made sure they spent the time. Ten years now they've been doing this to make sure they ship systems that when you nuke and pave, it's going to be no problem. And if you want to run it as it's shipped from the factory, they have excellent images on there, fine-tuned to work perfectly, and they support them for a long time. System76.com, when you buy something, Tom Linux Action Show sent you, and hey, check this, check this out. They got like something going on for the Lonely Hearts Holiday, a little mini contest and sale. You can find out more about that at System76.com. You could get a prize. That's kind of cool. Yeah, look at them. That's really nice looking. Gosh, they're getting fancy with the art. Wow, that looks good. System76 has desktops, laptop servers designed to run Linux, and they're really great systems and a great company, too. And they're a big part of the Linux community. System76.com, Tom Linux Action Show sent ya. Okay, Noah, let's take our first call, uh, and then we're going to read an email. Are you ready for this? I'm I excited. Am. I love the call thing. All right, so uh, we have a caller on the line, Noah, who wants to talk to us about the Internet of Things. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am here. Well, hello, sir. Welcome to Linux Action Show. What's your name? Uh, Blixa Morgan. Well, Blix, uh, tell me about your thoughts on the Internet of Things. So I know last week you guys talked about how the Internet of Things and the cloud should break up. And I actually kind of wanted to bring it up during Linux un Unplugged, but I missed the mumble program. Mm. So uh, I thought I'd call in today. I actually currently run the Things system, which was originally developed by, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, Al-Sadar Allen and Marshall T. Rose. Okay. Uh -huh. um, one of them actually currently works for uh, Wink, which was really interesting, but they ended up uh, abandoning the project, and I took over um, about a year later. Hmm. And one of the things we've been working on is um, sort of a protocol based on HTTP to allow developers to communicate with things without being reliant on what the thing is. Uh -huh. So sort of a way to say, well, this is what this thing can do. And HTTP because that's not... easy to transit firewalls and, and whatnot? Uh, yes, and because it's really easy to set up an HTTP server. Uh, and, yeah, okay. of course, with, with SSL, you get the nice security right. features as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you think, yeah. so I guess your take is there's a way to do cloud right with Internet of Things? Is that kind of your take? Yes. Well, no, not exactly. Okay. Um, the point was to make to make the cloud unnecessary, but still usable if ah. the end, if the developer desired to. Now that's my speed. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. So yeah. what's this called again? Um, so the the project itself doesn't have a name yet. It's technically not official yet, but okay. it is part of the thing system. Okay. Uh, okay. We actually have a website, thethingsystem.com, so okay. you can go learn about it. Cool. And currently we have um, a project called uh, Steward, but hmm. eventually Steward will be replaced when this new protocol is released, and it will support um, it'll support the entire uh, – the hope is with the proper gateway support, the entire subset of accessible devices now. So we're looking to work with uh, LIFX. Um, as well as a lot of Zigbee and Z-Wave devices. So. That's cool. exciting. I love it. Yeah, well, thanks for calling and telling us about that. That's a great follow-up. What was your name again? Blixa. Thanks, Blixa. That was a great update. Have a great day, sir. All right, uh, so uh, Sweet Lou's uh, going to talk to us uh, about something that I want to wait before after we do the unboxing. Oh! Well, why don't we? 
<laughs> Why don't we bring in Corey first to talk about uh, Linux Fest Northwest? Corey, man, are you on the line there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. So uh, I got my attention when you told Rotten Corpse you want to talk about Linux Fest Northwest. What are you thinking about? Um, mostly, I'm probably I'm heading over from Spokane, um, and I'll probably be just coming by myself. So I was wondering uh, how often is there chances to hang out with other people? You know, meet people and hang out with them. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. it is For one sure. of the best things about Fest. You know what? Last year, in fact, in the chat room right now is Adrum, and yeah, last year... So there's, you know, so there's a lot of chances for hanging out with other people and stuff like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what you do. Yeah. I don't know if he can hear you, Noah. He, he might not be getting your feed right now, I just oh, realized. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can't hear Noah, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, but so, I mean, that is, uh, that's one of the things that uh, we... You know, we really look forward to is because not only not only are there just a bunch of people walking the floor, but you kind of see different groups. Uh, and and when the fest winds down at the end of the day, like around four o'clock in the afternoon, when it's still plenty nice out in the Pacific Northwest, uh, there's you know people hang out afterwards. Some people just stay at hotel lobbies and eat pizza, real low key. Some people go out and drink and party. Some people you know just make go out, break off in small groups, and some people go back and be loners. Like it's it's a full range. It's a really cool way to hang out. People will be there. Noah, Noah and I are going to be there. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm hoping to bring Lady Jupiter all the way up there. I'm not sure if they're going to let me, but I'm hoping to. Uh, yeah, and we're already our crew is already organizing. Uh, I think Blaster is uh, already booked his hotel room. Mm -hmm. So it's getting it's getting um, nigh. Angela said that Odyssey, Odyssey Rustra is actually um, coming from Spokane. I've been trying to get a hold of yeah. him for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, he might be in the chat room no. right now. So. Yeah, although I think he's on the road at the moment, but uh, yeah, he'll be there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, keep an eye out for him in the chat room. You guys should, uh, you guys should meet up. Well, think up, yeah. I'm excited about that. All right, Corey. Well, I'll see you at Linux Fest Northwest, okay. man. All right, so time for unboxing. Time for unboxing. You want to do the unboxing or do you want to do yes. the email? Okay, okay, we can do the unboxing. We can do both. We can, we can do the unboxing. <laughs> so Noah got a little sneak peek, I think, of what might be in this box I finally, here. I figured it out because so, so I can see. Uh, so I know. Notebook. It says it just came in a very, uh, a very hand boxed box uh, and uh -huh. it just has a generic notebook on the outside uh -huh. of it yes uh, and when I opened it up something really struck me about it is a, a yes, real yes. strong like MacBook like uh, metal enclosure in there so uh, uh -huh. I'll just go ahead on now I, I did a I did a pull off some styrofoam here because we got to get that out right yeah okay okay so here we go Noah all right. Oh, that new computer. What does it smell like? Well, it kind of smells, well, not totally new, but <laughs> here it is, Noah. The Purism oh, Librem 15. When did you get this? Uh, it arrived on Wednesday, I, I believe. Uh, so there it is. Boy, it's thin. It's uh, metal feeling. And, uh, oh, look at the size of that oh, trackpad, Noah. My. Look at the size of that trackpad. Look at that. What OS are you going to put on it? <laughs> well, I'm probably going to put Arch, but I think it probably has. Uh, what was the OS? They put some privacy OS on there. I forgot yeah. now, but no, it's it not. Pri it's the it's the freedom respecting. Right. Yeah. Uh, I Is like. Uh, it it looks like there's a switch by the uh, SD uh, MMC slot. I'll have to be. I'll look into that for sure. Oh yeah, Pure OS. That's what it is. Pure OS. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it's got an HDMI out. The fans are kicked up right now. You can probably hear the fans a little bit. They're kicked up. Uh, it's got a number pad. Look at that. It's got, a, it's got a narrow number pad right there. So there it is. Bu it's booting Purism OS. Uh, this is one of the first Librams I have seen in the wild, uh, fully assembled. <laughs> and it's in my own hand, so that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, so there it is, the Librem 15. Uh, it, it has a nice build. My initial impressions are a good build quality. Good yeah. feel. I like the size of that trackpad. And that, so, that has a 1080p display, right? Yeah, it looks like it. I hope so. I wonder if that won't end up being your new studio laptop. Yeah, I wonder. We'll see. Uh, it, it, 
it's going to have to prove itself to, to overtake a bonobo. What I'm really looking forward to now is doing some comparisons and seeing how the different manufacturers stack up. Uh, but the other thing that uh, I think is probably interesting is I'm going to get my first hands on this. I'll probably have my first real reactions by Tuesday in Linux Unplugged. And then uh -huh. I think I'm going to do a full review on next Sunday's Linux Action Show yeah. you know, with my own OS on there and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so it's detected the uh, nearby Wi-Fi and it's asking to continue. I'm surprised the fans are still going pretty loud. Can you, can you hear those fans? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're kicked up uh, a fair amount right now. Well, they now I do. Yeah, but uh, maybe that's just because it hasn't fully booted up yet, and the driver hasn't started or whatever. But uh, yeah, there you go, Noah. Oh, man. That has been a uh, long time coming. So, uh, uh, yeah, big, big thanks to Todd and the crew out there for uh, finally getting that out. Because yeah, it was I think December 2014 that I backed that. Because uh, it was going to be the wow. ultimate Linux laptop. So we will see. I will finish setting it up after the show. All right. Do you want to take uh, our email about OBS here? Because this is right up your alley. And I think you've been corresponding. Yeah. So I've gone back and forth. And I'll kind of summarize because the email is a little bit long. But basically, there's a gentleman out there that is involved with the middle school. And right now, they're using, I, I believe it's I, 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 iPods and uh, Skype to uh, to do a video conference along uh, to get announcements out in the morning. And so the students sit down and they read the morning announcements and stuff like that. And he thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could do something with OBS? And he was having a little bit of trouble figuring out exactly how he would implement such a thing. And he said, ideally, what he would like is to have the ability for the students to sit down. They could uh, read their morning announcements, and then it would go out over uh, like the television system in the school. And I'm here to tell you that that is completely possible. And I've explained this to him a little bit, and I'll, I'll explain it on the air. Basically, what you would do, the minimum requirements for OBS, you don't need a terribly powerful graphics card. In fact, the first time that we ever used OBS in production was at Linux Fest Northwest, and we didn't even have a graphics card. We used the integrated graphics that were built right into the motherboard. And as long as it's a reasonably new... Uh, chipset, you'll be fine. Um, and basically, you'll install OBS and you have to stream to a service. So there's some free ones out there. Use stream. We use Scale Engine. And so you can sign up with Alan for an account. It's not very expensive and does a really great job. And basically, what you would do in, in, in his example is you would set up the stream and stream to that RTMP server. And then you would have another machine that would basically just play that RTMP stream and spit it out over. Um, uh, a, a composite cable or HDMI, whatever you want to use, and you would plug that into a device called an RF modulator. And what the RF modulator will do is actually create a TV channel. So you'd find an unused channel. <clears throat> if you don't have cable TV at the school, maybe pick like channel 50. And you would RF modulate the the stream over channel 50. And then every TV in the school would uh, tune to channel 50 and they would be able to watch the stream. And as far as camera gear, you can get away with just something as simple as a Logitech C920, which they're actually on sale this week at Best Buy for 49 bucks. I actually picked one up because they're usually about a hundred dollars. Um, but we also have these Magwell uh, USB to uh, HDMI capture cards, which as I'm finding out in, in the past couple weeks, I've tried different capture hardware to try. We're trying to change some of the video setup uh, for last and it's been a nonstop headache and I'm really, really, really wishing I had more of those Magwell USB mm. capture cards because they just plain work right out of the box. No driver needed. You just plug them in. They show up as a V4L device. Um, and so if you want, they're a little expensive though. They're like 300 bucks. They do make a PCI version. That's a little bit more expensive. It's about a thousand dollars, but it has four HDMI or SDI inputs. Um, and then you can plug in any HDMI camera you want. But for basically what this guy's talking about for his students, um, using uh, Logitech C920s, I think are the way to go. And yeah, actually or C9, even, with, or the C930s. Sure. You're going to be, oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, they have a new version, the C930. It's a little wider aspect. Which is probably why the C920 is on, on sale. Um, the, you, you, you'll be excited to learn that there's a possibility I might actually make it out there um, 
and I had offered, I said, you know, if we could film a show segment on setting oh, this yeah, man. up to run OBS, I might be willing to actually go out there and donate some equipment and go out there and, and actually set all this up. And so obviously that was that all that whole conversation happened pre baby. So we'll see. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll yeah. See what happens now. But so, that, that, that might be a thing. While you were describing how to use how to do that. I was mm-hmm. finishing the setup here on the Librem and uh, I got to the point where I joined the Wi-Fi and uh, that kind of stuff. And I set up uh, my IP address and my host name. And now it says. It's partitioning the disk, and it wants me to enter an encryption passphrase. It's going to do encryption right off the bat here in the installer. Nice. Yeah. So uh, while, while while we're talking again about the Librem, let's bring uh, Mr. Sweetlou in, who is on the line, uh, and uh, had a question, I believe, about the Librem. Mr. Lou, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. So what was your question about the Librem? Hey, I just wanted to say congrats uh, for you for finally getting the (laughs) Libram. And congrats to Noah. Yeah, we both have a new arrival. Noah's is, you know, a pretty big deal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but I just want to say, dear purism, it's about time. Sign all of us at the Jupiter Colony. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Mr. Lou, have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you, sir. That's pretty good. Yep, and have a happy Valentine's Day. Oh, happy Valentine's Day to you, too. Uh, Okay, so, uh, well, no, I can love the audience. I got love for the audience. Not not, not as much as me, though. So, uh, uh, now it's copying data to disk. I'm hoping once the installer is done that uh, the fans will die down. But I'll tell you, a couple of first reactions. Trackpad's good, man. Trackpad feels good, and the keyboard feels good, too. Keyboard feels good. Typing in my passwords and stuff into the keyboard. I know what my password feels. Oh, and you know what? I'm holding it here on the edge, too. That's feeling good. That's feeling good. How are the hinges? I know that's a big thing for you on laptops. Yeah, no, this hinge is good, man. It's good. Look, it's good. That's good. It's good. That's good. Look at that. That's good. And see how I can hold it like like just a, I'm liking that, Noah. I'm liking that. So we're going to have some serious hardware comparisons coming up soon. Plus, I also want to get the Oryx from System76 and do some of that testing, really kind of see some stuff. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, there's a couple of different ways you can participate. You can hang out live. We do the show on Sundays over jblive.tv. You can get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And then you can hang out in the chat room or call in in the feedback segment like we've been doing. We love doing that. We have a 1-800 number. We're letting people call. And Noah, so far, is going to uh, foot the bill on that, but I think eventually we'll probably have to not and probably take it over. So you can always help out our funding for things like being able to take calls at patreon.com slash today. We're going to be doing some in, some eventual changes there, probably post Linux Fest Northwest, when we can actually really put our head in the game and really think about it. But I think it would be uh, something you're going to like. And so I would ask you to go over to patreon.com slash today and consider, if you can afford it, contributing to the Jupiter Broadcasting Infrastructure Fund. We try to pay some of our production staff out of that, uh, expenses like Linux Fest. Or, or doing small and tweaks and improvements, like re- maybe refreshing a graphics package. Uh, those kinds of things are all made possible. And the more support we get there, the bigger and badder and better we can get, and the more focus we can do on quality and content. And that's a big thing for me. So I, I love the support at patreon.com slash today. You can email and contact the show at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, and you can participate in the content at linuxactionshow.reddit.com as well as give us feedback. Uh, there'll be a thread just for this episode for 404. Okay, it just turned off, and I realized maybe the battery oh, just God. died. Yeah. While I was doing disk encryption. That's oh, probably not good. Got right, I just turned it back on. We'll see. I turned it, you know, because I probably could have plugged it Did in. Did you but plug I it in? No, man, I'm too excited. I didn't plug it in. All right, so now it looks like it's, uh, all right, I got a new bootloader. Uh, it looks like it's using kernel 4.2.3 Purism. So kernel 4.4 is the most current as of this recording, uh, and it's using kernel 4.2. Okay, so I got to put my password in to decrypt my volume to see if it'll boot up. 
you may want to. Uh, do you think possibly it just shut down? Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm checking. You no, know, I'm hoping. New... Yeah, it looks like it's working. Fans still going like crazy though. Fans still. I'm gonna have to look into that because the fans. You know, that's gonna be a problem using it on air. That's, that disqualifies it immediately if uh, if the fans don't yeah. simmer down. Yeah, but I can't imagine that that would be a thing. Yeah, I'm sure it's just a driver thing. Um, so there, I'm doing my first login right there. Boom. Nice. Yeah. It looks like Mate. Oh, it's cinnamon. Cinnamon. Okay. I can't really. It's easier if I just do my single, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. I'll play with it a little more. I'll let you know. I'll give you guys an update and unplugged, and we'll do a review next week. All right. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put it down so we can finish the show. Because it was a, probably too big. Too big. Episode 404 is too big. Uh, and congratulations once again, Noah, on the, on the new uh, fork. And also... <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you and the audience, even though it's a BS holiday. It's a good excuse to say we love you guys. And thanks for downloading. And even thank you more for subscribing. And we're closing to March 14th. Yeah, what? What? Yeah. Also, if you're considering Linux Fest Northwest, it's it's a show we love. We'd love to see you there. You can find out more at linuxfestnorthwest.org. And you can watch some of our previous coverage to see what a hell of a show it is. And uh, hopefully we'll have some great coverage coming up very soon. It's going to be at the end of April. So you got a little time to make it out here still if you want to make the trek. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. And we'll see you right back here next week. Uh, so, uh, okay. I have, I have an idea. Okay. Put, I wanted to give, I want to put out there to you before we say it in the show. But I figure okay. if we like it. We should say it in the feedback segment, so I should say I should ask you now because otherwise I won't remember. I'm so you already. know how um, how should I put this so that if people understand the magnitude of what my week's going to be like next week? Uh, oh God, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know how? Okay. So you you know how? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. So I already I already think I probably have enough work for. For probably four people. I think I'd probably do the job of four people. Yep. Well, actually, I guess if you consider, well, you know, maybe more than that, actually. Well, the the guy that would produce the show, like, ahead yeah. of time, like, prep all, prep all the show notes. Right. And then the host's job. Right. And then the editor's job. And right. then the technical problem solver back Well, I was going to say the engineer who would, yeah, yeah. the engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then also, I, yeah. So, and that, but that's just show production. That doesn't count any of the business operations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I'll, yeah. yeah, the, the, uh, the PR marketing guy. Right. Well, and, uh, and contract when working out with sponsors and, and right. doing the, doing the selling and the deals and the, and the, and the closings as the, as, as Donald Trump or whatever he would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a lot of work, right? Yes. Uh, plus living an hour away and uh, being a father of three. Yeah. So next week, Rikai. He's going home for a week. He's going home to visit family, and uh, we don't have an editor. So this this <laughs> proposes to be a, uh, I don't know how to describe this exactly. Uh, a challenge could be. A push show. I don't know. I don't know. Like challenge feels like, a challenge feels like what you, what you push yourself to do. Like I'm going to run a marathon. That's a challenge. That's a big challenge. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going I'm to eat breakfast This every is more morning. like. This is more like an earthquake or a hurricane or like a mudslide force of nature. While juggling on a unicycle. Yeah, like a violent force of nature comes through and you have to maintain your home. In the I don't know exactly how to put it, but it's more like a force of nature. More like a hairnado of beard anyways. Yeah. My point is, I had an idea. This is a long way of saying I had an idea for next week's episode. Okay. All right. What if we do the whole thing live? So the other day... I get a call from the bar manager and their bar, <laughs> what? Kiosk, what? Their bar manager. Like, there's a bar that we manage. Oh, so okay, okay. I thought, okay. And 
and so and the the uh, and their uh, their kiosk that they ring up all the drinks on crashed. And so I called the company and I'm like, you know, how, what do you support? Blah blah blah. And they're like, yeah, basically we'd have to uh, ship you this machine. It'll be like fifteen hundred dollars. And I'm like, yeah, uh huh. So I just go, oh dear. Uh, so I just go to uh, Best Buy and grab a computer off the shelf. And I originally I tried to set the software up in Windows, and I go to download Firefox so that I can install Firefox and work in a normal browser instead of the cockamamie BS that is Microsoft Edge. This is the message I got. Firefox stub is unsafe to download and will be blocked by screen smart screen filter. Cannot download. <laughs> I, I can't download software in Windows. Proprietary software is not ethical. I understand that. That's why I wanted to get off proprietary software on open source software. Apparently, Microsoft thinks open source software is not ethical. I think that so, we should all make those businesses fail. So I click on learn more, thinking that it would take me to a page that says, you know, disable smart screen thingy, whatever that thing is called. And it doesn't. It takes me to a Microsoft knowledge base article that explains why. <laughs> if it blocks a piece of software, I don't want to install it, except... I do want to install it. I did want to install it. <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, you know, here, I just, I don't understand how a company can be so audacious as to tell me like, doesn't matter if you think you want this, we know that you don't. And then I, then I had the, I had the petrifying realization that like, if it was somebody else, they, that's where they would have given up. They would have been like, well, he told me to use Firefox. I kind of always liked it, but I guess I have to use Edge on Windows 10 because I can't install Firefox. I screwed around with it long enough and eventually ended up wiping the machine. But but most, I would have screwed around with it. Most people, you know, nerds would screw around with it long enough to at least figure out how to get it installed. I couldn't do that. I, I never did how to figure out how to turn off screen smart. I can't cry for them too much. Hmm. But you should. I think you should cry for them.